everybody and welcome to episode 603 of Conversation Street. We are going to be talking about the episodes of Corrie, shown between the 20th and the 24th of November 2023. I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. She is Gemma and Gemma. Yeah. Yeah, she is. You're Gemma. Hooray. Gemma. Right, this is um, going to be talking about episodes 11,115. Yeah, yeah, but I've put commas in it in the yeah. notes this week just for you, like you asked for. 11,115 to 11,120. And we might even be talking about a little bit about Doctor Who as well in this episode. So we're both very excited not, about Doctor Who's 60th anniversary this week. We're not weekend. doing it again. We, we did a whole two hours. We did, yeah. Thank you, everybody, who gave us nice comments about our Doctor Who episode. It was lots of fun to do, wasn't it? Thanks for nice, the corrections. Nice. Yeah, we did get a couple of questions, but you know, we did say we prefaced the discussion that we were going to get some things wrong, and we absolutely did. But it doesn't matter because I thought it was still quite a good podcast today. I thought it was, and it made made a little bit of a change. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And if you want more Coronation Street and uh, Doctor Who crossover stuff, then check out our Instagram today because you can see Daleks in Coronation Street. The AI put in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to... Are we going to get arrested? No, it's fine. Rusty Davis isn't going to come and get us. Yeah, but aren't they copyright? No, it's fine. Anyone can do it. Right. Um, Quiz? No, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember what it is. It doesn't matter. No, yeah, it's just been a normal week. Normal kind of week for us today. Getting cold. We're sitting here with our blanket on like a couple of old cronies, but we are still got the heat in our bellies about this week's Coronation Street, and we're going to be sharing our thoughts with you. But first, Gemma's going to do a quiz. Do you want to... you yeah, got a quiz? Sorry, I had my quiz ready, but you started saying more things. Absolutely nothing, yeah. You've got I th- nothing I want to hear. I think everything. I... We, we're going to London tomorrow. So we can't do a podcast for too long today. Because we'll be quite tired, won't we? But that doesn't usually stop me jabbering on. Definitely not mine. Definitely not mine. Right, go on then. Give me a quiz. What we got? What's happening? Things that happened between yeah. the 20th and the 24th of November and years ending in the 3 and the 8th. Yeah. And I source the information for this from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Go for it. Go. 20th of November, mm-hmm. 1968. What news does Hilda Ogden receive by telegram? News by telegram. 1968. Um... About the car crash that Irma and David are in. There has been one. Wrong. It's to announce the birth of Darren Barlow. Oh, no. I thought you'd think it was the car crash. You tricked me there. I know. 21st of November 1983. Which character isn't seen again for nearly 20 months, but still apparently in the show, unseen? Really? What do you mean? Oh, this this was the beginning of the the strike, I think, around this time. Well, no, what year was it? 1st of November, 1983. Oh, 1983. I don't know, I just wasn't listening at all to the dates then. Um, it's a it's a base, it's a chronologically dated quiz. You forced me to do I this. I don't know is the answer to that. You're going to kick not yourself. not got a clue. Tracy. Oh, this is the beginning of our tape zero, was yeah. it? Oh, my God, of course, the 80s. They're terribly. There's so this much week. great on, music in the eighties. Who could be? Who could spare a second to be on Coronation Street? Twenty second of November, nineteen seventy eight. Who does Mike sack from the Western Front because they closed early? But really, it's because he's running out of money to pay them. I don't know. Who worked in nineteen seventy eight? Um. <laughs> I didn't make this hard. You did make nineteen seventy eight. I don't know. This quiz took me so long to make. Ida Clough. You you would hire Ida Clough to work in the Western Front, the shop. I don't know. Is you, that what it was? You're getting her to sell Elsie denim Tanner. to people. Yeah, maybe. Elsie Tanner. 
Gail Potter and oh Susie Birchall. Oh my gosh, terrible. Am I going to get any of these right this week? That's three You're zeros. You're going to get the next one, right? You're going to get the last <laughs> one, right? Oh no. 23rd of November, 1983. Yeah. The article, Ken's Fluttery of Mike, comes out. Yeah. What a nickname. Oh, come on. Does Ken give him? It's got three Ds in it. The denim. It's one it's of them. One denim. of them's denim. It's one of them debonair. Yes. Is it? Yes. <laughs> it's the other one duh. Da denim debonair. No. <laughs> what? Um Can you not think denim... of it? A D word. <sighs> Devious. <laughs> um Delicious. So what have you, what Delectable. Order you, what do you think you've got this in? You've got Devon. The debonair of Debonim. Debenhams. I don't know. What is it? I'll get at least two I'm surprised you didn't try something like dude, like the debonair dude oh, yeah, of denim. Okay. What is it then? Dynamo. The di- All right, I'm giving myself two thirds of a point for that because I'll get. I'll take <laughs> them wherever surprised. I can. I, I was. Well, I that was still pretty good. Idea. That wasn't bad, well was done. it? Twenty uh, fourth of November, two thousand and eight. This is your only chance. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Michelle's parents arrive for their wedding anniversary. Your mum. Yes. What's their names? Oh no, Michael, you've got to know. Oh no, one of them's Barry. Yes. What's her mum called? <laughs> I thought you loved these two. I mostly love Barry. Oh, Michael. I brought this in for you. When I was doing the questions, I was like, oh, I'll get, put this one in so Michael could get a good mark at the end. I don't, I don't know. Helen. Helen, oh dear. Barry and Helen. Right. Bazaar in Hells, as we used to call them. Well, I got two thirds plus one half a mark. <laughs> no! Um, That's terrible. And and I could do the maths for that. Um, uh-huh. you know. No, hang on a minute. What's, no, I'm not, no, no, no not going to do the maths for that. Um, but it's at least ten points in total. That's terrible. That's like my worst performance maybe is, ever yeah. on a quiz. I don't know whether quiz. that bodes well for this week's podcast or not. Sorry. Um, oh, wouldn't well. I not them ever, obviously. Ten, birthdays, 25th of November to the 1st of December. I had to take out a few that I had erroneously in here. Oh, really? So this is the... These, these should all be correct now. 25th of November, Brian Hibbard, who played Doug Murray and Alex Bain, who's Simon Barlow Third. 26th of November, Patricia Phoenix, who played Elsie Tanner. like how you gave her her full name there. That's how it's written. Director Oscar Whitbread and Paddy Beaver, who's Max Turner II. Oh. 28th of November... Producer Michael Cox, Graham Hawley, who played John Stape, Emma Edmondson, who played Mel Morton, 29th of November, Owen Aronovich. I said that before. What? I've got him in twice, haven't I? No. I thought I'd said him recently. We did say him John recently. Lindsay. He was he was one of the voices on the Doctor Who um, audio drama thing. Maybe that's what I remember. Yeah. 30th of November, Connor McIntyre, who played Pat Phelan, and Sterling Gallagher, who played Paula Martin. And we were trying to remember Paula the other day. Yes. I can't remember why. 1st of December, Chloe Neeson, who's Vicky. I think it was the same reason. Second. Happy birthday. That's a lot of birthdays this week. That's a good one. Well done. That's did what you they're see... all trying to get it in before Christmas. Did you see that yesterday, not only being Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, it was also Sue Nichols' 80th yeah, it was. birthday yesterday, and they had a nice photo of her to celebrate. But she hasn't got a documentary or a, or a well, portrait. So, yeah, why, happy why birthday, Sue. Why isn't Sue Nichols Sue. in Doctor Who? I, I don't know. She would have made a really cool karate-kicking because... companion, wouldn't she? Yeah, absolutely. She'd have been awesome. She was in that... What was she in? She was in Rent-A-Ghost. That's it. I knew it was something <laughs> to do with ghosts. She's like... She's <laughs> like, like why the famous be... ghost program. No, she's like, why would I be in a stupid sci-fi thing? I'm in a ghost thing. No, real. <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, we, we, we I said we'd Happy talk about birthday. Doctor Who. That was possibly it. Um, I just, did you just get on and talk about yes. this week's Corey? 
Okay then, on, on Street Door. Gemma, you know that Carnation Sweet's been really quite good the last few weeks. What are you trying to say? This this week was not as good. I did. I wasn't as into Coronation as it, and I was kind of waiting for today's episode because the last couple of Fridays episodes have been absolutely fantastic with Amy at the club last week and the, the bath scene the previous Friday. And although I did, I did enjoy bits of today's episode. No, on the whole, it was fine. Um, and I thought that Chris Gascoigne was a particular standout. Um, yeah, on the whole, this week's just kind of passed me by a little bit. Did did you kind of get that? I, yeah, felt a bit disengaged. Uh, yeah, it, disengaged is good. Yeah, yeah, I don't know whether it was me or whether it was a programme or, or what, but, um, yeah, I, I, I sadly don't think it kept up the same momentum that it's had in the past few weeks. But we'll see what we can do with tonight's episode, see if we can draw something out from it. Um, the, other, the other thing with this week is it was one of those weeks where the stories kind of crossed over with each other and intermingled and kind of spaghettified themselves around each other. So it's not made the notes for today's podcast particularly easy in the slightest. Because um, we had, we're going to start off with the vape alarm story, which is going to be mostly what Dylan and Mason and Liam were getting up to. But then there was also stuff with with Peter in there. But I've kind of put that bit in the second story, which is also tied up with Simon gets a pallet. I mean, I suppose that that says it all about the the excitement of this week's no, episode, where one no, of the story no, no. highlights was Simon no. gets a pallet delivered. You can't. On the one hand, say that you think that Corrie is too, you know, bombastic. I don't say that. No, I know, but loads of people do. And then and then complain about... Simon gets some posts, some boxes in the this post. This is the sort... If they had returns pallets in the 60s, this would have been a major storyline. Yeah, well, maybe, but it, it didn't work so well for me this week. I did come up with a good um, storyline title for that, though, which was Curly Size palette surprise because it sounds like pull it surprise you get it pull it surprise palette surprise you yeah, never yeah. know what you're gonna get um, and there was also a bit of oh. as i said what <laughs> you think of pull it surprise you, you you never know what you're gonna get no but a palette surprise you never know what you're gonna get i was so obsessed with watching those all... um videos about palettes and returns palettes oh well, maybe you youtube give... i'm an expert oh okay well so maybe maybe there's a you know, i don't know there was a pete terminator story in there as well we've got the rovers returns storyline question mark is the rovers coming back the rovers maybe. palette returns um and there was also i've I've put the rovers stuff with a cold hard cash story because ed and ronnie are kind of tangentially related to them i, I know they're not the same story but I didn't want to spend any longer fiddling around with my notes tonight, quite honestly. Then we had the Amy Inflamed story, and we've got a bit of Bernie in jail. Ah, Bernie in. Jail. Bernie inside. She's going to go down, isn't she? But she's going to have a nice early Christmas. Um, Do you reckon she's going to go to prison? Yeah. Is she going to be there at Christmas? Yeah, I reckon so. They haven't built that set for nothing. (laughs) She's going to be part of the the Christmas Day prison music montage, isn't she? Yeah, she'll be sadly glumly sitting... uh, yeah, going. Cars. Oh, I wish I hadn't sold those dodgy laptops. Uh, right? Would you like to do? Would you like to do the um the the, the vape, the teens stuff, the the stabby stabby knifey rat drama? Yeah, you yes? do this okay. one. You do this one. Right. What so have been up to these on these Monday, Sean notices that he, Dylan's not got his snazzy new trainers. What he bought him last week as a treat, and Dylan lies and says, "Oh, I, I lost them at school. I don't know what happened." And Sean immediately thinks that they've been stolen. He's going to march up the school to complain. <laughs> Mason and Conk. Is that his name? Conch. 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 Yeah. Okay. He's the big, he's the, I know, the, but the larger lad. There's different ways of saying. 
Yeah, no, conch is, isn't he? Okay. And he's, cost- his, he's his conch man. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just shut up. <laughs> Which one is he? Crab or girl? I forgot. I don't know. Does so, it? yeah, Mason and conch. Yeah. Okay. We never saw that Layla again, did we? She's keeping well out. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Yeah. Ma'am. What did you say man for? Well, because she's the one that's left, isn't she? Not that there was any whamming or bamming. Went no. stairs and they're over. Right, they accost Dylan in the corridor and they, they intimidate him and say, don't you... Dylan says, don't let my dad see you with those trainers. He gets right, Mar- Marty. My dad thinks they've been stolen. All comes back. All across or... Yeah. All across or... I she, thought we'd seen the last of her with her snazzy new haircut. She's been going to the same hairdresser. As Dr. Gaddis. As Dr. Gaddis. Somebody in so. Weatherfield, and it ain't Audrey, sorry love, does really good haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I wanna sit... Yeah, stuff Audrey's. I want to sit... I want to be a fly in the wall in whatever salon all across Shore and Dr. Gaddis go to. Dr. Susan Gaddis. I, I wonder whether... I um, it's proper... Ha- I think all happening. I did actually go to Audrey's and she was just like, can you just like tidy up my, my split ends? That Audrey, she's like, right you are, love. Gets out the flies and goes, whoops, sorry. You got she's a bob got now, is that bob. okay? <laughs> she looked fabulous. She did. So she sees Dylan in the corridor... And the one and only staff member at Weatherfield High. She does all things. She does deputy heading. She does locker checks. She does phoning up people when they're absent. That doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't work in a school, Michael. I'm going to tell you that the deputy head probably would not be phoning up Sean if Dylan didn't turn up one day. Maybe she doesn't want to do all the boring paperwork stuff. She's like, <laughs> oh, let me phone up and moan at all the parents. And really cheers me up on a Friday. Um, right, so... There's something about trainers, and Conch says Liam took them. Yeah, no, she she we says said he wants to talk to him about the trainers. I don't no, know what she that means. she wants to talk to him okay. about the trainers. I was letting you help me, but you wouldn't. Yeah, because because Sean's been marching up the school, and all there's like, hang on a minute. So so Sean's marched up the school. Mrs. Crawshaw yeah, says, "All the Crawshaw. Where's these trainers that this bloke's been ratting my ear off all day about?" Yeah, and. Conch says Liam stole them and they're in his locker and so she opens Liam's locker and they are in there. I what I want to know is how did they get them inside Liam's locker? Stole his key because he's stupid probably. Uh, probably. I mean this is a um, open and shut case isn't it? Yeah. This is like the end of Murder on the Honor Express <laughs> where you find out who done who done it. It seems like I don't know that it's been a thing in Corrie that has been done before but quite often. Things that get found in people's lockers in fiction have been planted there. It's almost You'd have thought never... that Aura wouldn't be, you know, so easily she's taken like, in She by doesn't that. know she's a fictional character. Mm. So She's this... just like, well, don't have to investigate this anymore. Yeah, so I could I could see if this is true. Gotta be Liam, the inoffensive, fairly, uh, dare I, I say, say he, I wouldn't say he was the smartest cookie. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess he would steal trainers and put them in his own locker. This is exactly, she's like, this is exactly the sort of level of criminal stupidity I'd expect from you, Liam Connor <laughs> Jr. So she calls Maria in, tells her what happened, and Liam's like keeping his mouth shut. And so she, um, Crawshaw says, there's consequences. Um, you better, if you've got anything to say in your defence, now's the time. And he's like, no, I haven't got any lines. Yeah, she, but he's just, yeah, he doesn't want to dob Mason in, does he? Because he's very, very scary, that kid. I would have. Anyway, back goody at home. Goody two shoes. You goody two trainers. I'm not a goody two shoes. I'm just I'm I'm fairly stupid when it comes to people trying to get revenge on me for 
gobbing off. Everyone knows you've listened to the podcast. Mm. Back at home, Gary says Liam's story doesn't add up. Maybe he's protecting somebody like Mason. And Liam says, I'd rather be expelled than be a grass. There's an awful lot of people, well, maybe two, parents saying, this sounds like something Mason would do. Everybody suspects that Mason, don't they? I know, Mason's... Can't make anything stick somehow. Uh, is he is he being maligned here? Don't no, know. it was definitely him. Okay, so um, Liam goes to his room and Gary says he's going to take matters into his own hands. Going to drop a roof on him. <laughs> going to drop a roof on him or clobber around the end of the rock. Drag him into one, the woods. One or the other. Sean and Dylan get back home and Sean tells Dylan he got to stay away from Mason. D- Dylan agrees, but then he goes and sees Mason anyway. Yeah, it's Mason's like there loitering the around outside the corner shop. So, so he's like, hello, mate. Um, hooray, we've we've done it, and Liam's taking the rap. But he hasn't really won anything, because he got his trainers nicked back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's kind of dumb. I suppose this was a way of um, Mason testing Dylan's loyalty, like seeing how far he could push him. It I was guess, a, yeah. a bit of a bit of a risk, because you... well, what would have happened to Mason if Dylan had just said, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Liam. He's my mate. That's what Mason I think. did. <laughs> Mason did it. You know, you know this new kid that suddenly appeared on the on the on the show who's being a git to everybody. You might be surprised. Well, you know what? You don't get to the top of the Weatherfield High pecking order without taking a few risks here and there. And what? Mason showed that it's yeah. yeah he's uh, turned, turned out why are they right wearing it. trainers at school anyway? Also, a good shoes? point. Where's his school shoes? All has got a very lax behaviour, uh, not behaviour, uniform policy. She clearly. really does. Shouldn't be wearing fancy trainers to school. Maybe it's because she's such a smart dresser herself. She thinks, look, if I, uh, if I get all the kids to dress down a little bit, it'll make me look even snazzier. I don't think people <laughs> consider wearing trainers to be dressing down these days. They're quite expensive. That, especially these ones. Oh yeah, they're very proper, proper swish. Mm. Um, Gary catches Mason in the street and has a really good intimidate. He thinks he does. He does his best, doesn't he? Then he goes home and tells Maria, I've put the willies up, Mason. <laughs> the last, that's the last we're going to be hearing of him. And then, inside his room, Liam gets a voicemail from Mason calling him a dirty grass. It's mm. t- like when a dog wipes its bum. Well, that was, yeah, they, they, he decides to turn it into a rat on uh, Wednesday, doesn't he? I was I kind of hoping grass. to get a hat trick mm. of episodes ending with Liam looking sad in bed getting messages on his phone but Liam yeah, didn't, didn't even appear wasn't even in it in today's episode no. but um yeah uh, um I just imagine Mason there going I don't know how am I going to get him back I could use emojis but a voicemail's always more direct and um and scary and then just recording lots of different versions like going hello hello Liam it's me no that doesn't work okay I'll try again um um, Liam, it's me, Mason, from school. No, no, he knows my voice. I should probably just call him a grass straight off. Maybe he's like Roy on the phone and he records it and he goes, oh, by the way, it's it's Mason. It's Mason from school. Mason the from evil, school. The evil bully. <laughs> Has he got a surname? I don't even Mason know. Mason from school is his full name. <laughs> but the, the one thing I thought about Mason's messages, like, I, I've... I've I quite enjoyed Mason recently. I think yeah, he's, he's a proper you know, good a villain. Proper, proper good villain. I really, I really hate him. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he's really. Yeah, with, with that, he he definitely succeeds. <laughs> yeah. But he what? he doesn't really swear as much as I might no, expect I a teenage bully would, and it's one of these things yeah. that in Coronation do... Street clearly they can't. 
Because, you know, he could have even called him a flipping rat on Wednesday. Yeah, you flipping rat. The, yeah, I, I would have thought that in real life he would be, you know, turning the airwaves blue a little jeffing. bit. He would a little bit, wouldn't he? Yeah. But, Gosh darn it, Liam. You, you and I guess the, tedious grass. I guess maybe that's for some people, especially maybe younger people, I don't know, who are in situations like this. This particular story or his portrayal of him doesn't particularly ring true. Just because right. of the choice of language involved. But they're it's... vaping. How much naughtier do you want them to be? <laughs> That's true. There's but... only so much teenage mishaps they can show on yeah, okay, before the watershed. Okay. Right, go on. Wednesday. Yeah, I would like. I would like to see a, an uncensored um, tirade from from Macy. Yeah. Right on Wednesday. Liam... They should just record one and put it on social media after nine o'clock. What can Ofcom do? Nothing. Exactly. On Wednesday, Liam shows Dylan his phone and it's full of these text messages calling him a rat. Maria tries to apologise to Sean about this whole tra- trainer business because she thinks that Liam's stolen Dylan's trainers. I can't believe for one second Maria's dumb enough to imagine that her tiny son I know. would steal anything from anybody. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, he's completely inoffensive, this, this Liam, and it really does feel like it's just convenient blanket. for everybody to believe that Liam did it. And he's, I know he's kind of saying he did it, but he's not, he's, there's, he's clearly not right. Nobody's noticing at all that Liam's being, you know, absolutely terrified. Yeah. But I think both of these episodes, it's got Gary and Maria go, well, Oblivious. you know what, good job that everything's okay with Sorted Liam. Thank, thank, yeah. No, yeah. no idea. Wash my hands of this now. Yeah, and by he's to, not to be doing clear, that good a job of hiding it. When I call him a wet blanket, I don't mean because he's being bullied. I mean before before this storyline, he's just a generally wet blanket, isn't he? Well, he didn't have a personality before, particularly exactly. did he? Although, actually, do you remember the story? Do you remember when Brian was um, the the head teacher at the primary school? You know, the sick incident, and they weren't they doing like rapping three kings or something one Christmas? And I think that was that was a little spark of personality from Liam. I'm not knocking him for it. He's too. He's he's very young, and he's, he's not too one young of to have a personality. Yeah, what well, you you with the kid actors on Coronation Street, you have some of them like. Um, you got your Chesneys, your Simons, your Sams, who will, you know, the, the writers, the showrunners are, are happy to just throw stories on and because there's something about that character and the performance that really clicks. But there's other ones that just stay waiting in the wings mm-hmm. for years until they so get to 15, stories. 16, 17. Yeah. Nobody, how many, how many stories can you really have that involve an eight-year-old? Exactly. I mean, look at one-legged Jack. Has he even been in Coronation Street this year? I don't even know. But uh, Liam is, has, up until this point, been in the camp of seen but... Well, not even seen but not heard. Not heard, not seen. <laughs> talked well, about sometimes. Liam mostly forgotten. was a shrinking violet. What about Jake? He turned up this week. Oh yeah! The cries of "Who's that blonde kid?" Yeah, he gets Nobody about five knew. appearances a year, he doesn't he? I was like, "Who's this child appeared from nowhere?" Yeah, well, Jake. this is this is the the next generation of of Corrie teens, isn't it? Because you got your your Ashes and your Ardies and your Amys who are, are, are they're adults now, yes. and and this is who we've got coming up next. But I I would be kind of interested to see more scenes of Sam with these. Like yeah, although there's no particular They're reason cool why they why they should interact. I suppose Sam's are maybe a little bit too young for them. I've got maybe. no idea. All their children are just an amalgamous blob. Mm. But th- this is what I was saying on the street talk short on Wednesday. Although 
I, I actually do think that um, I can't remember his name, Charlie. Someone or other who plays Liam. I think he did do a really, oh, really good fantastic. performance. That that final scene on on Wednesday, that was like, I, I was impressed by okay. that. Um, but my biggest problem was I hadn't built up enough care for him, and I, we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Right. So, um, so you say you say he's no, me to Well, I'm it? trying to do this, <laughs> the story. Yeah, go Marie on. Then. is apologising to Sean, and he's not in a forgiving mood. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want Liam and Dylan to be friends again ever. No. And Maria says that what are you point. I know. Out? I'm just saying that I've accidentally put a note from the Amy story in the middle of a Liam notes here, okay. and I was just slightly pointing at the screen. You just so... you just blatantly pointed while I'm trying to read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Maria says. I think you got your pronouns all wrong. I don't know what what is going on Who here. Maria Maria tells him he thinks it was Mason. She thinks it was Mason. She thinks it was Mason. Can you see how I get confused? Yes, I do. I do. Because, it's the because I'm trying to read it, it and remember. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Everybody thinks it was Mason who stole the train. I'm really sorry that I point out when you do it wrong, but sometimes I just don't know what it says. Okay. <sighs> If we were professional, we'd cut that out, wouldn't we? Yeah, we're not doing any. Okay. No, no editing. No, no editing. Maria tells him she thinks Mason stole the trainers, and Sean says that's a load of nonsense. I don't want our sons to be friends. I thought that I see. I'm usually the Sean's biggest um, trumpeter and supporter, aren't I? But I, di- I didn't think he was particularly enjoyable at this this episode to watch. The fact that he immediately latched on to the fact that, of course, it was Dylan and why would it be Mesa? I, I think it was he was just... There were a lot of people acting quite conveniently. Yeah, he was conveniently um, irate at, at Maria people and Liam. just being clueless. Yeah. I. But then I think sometimes parents are shocked about what they don't know about their children. Even quite young ones. It just it didn't it didn't sit right with me. It it didn't add up for me that Sean. No, I know. Later on, Liam gets accosted by the gang outside the science block, and Dylan has to watch as they as they menace him. Mm. Some of these scenes were really difficult to watch. They should have come at him with a Bunsen burner. Liam being bullied, it was horrible. Really hated it. Um, Gary hears from George later that Dylan's got himself some shifts at prima donna, so he goes over to Dylan and says, "Look." Why don't you guys get go to the cinema? You and Dylan, Dylan and Liam, go to the cinema together, please. Here's £20. And Dylan reluctantly agrees to go with him. But then, when Mason sees them together in the precinct, Liam runs off, but Mason's like, why are you hanging out with Rat Boy? <laughs> this is boy. exactly how you would... This, this, this is exactly how a teenage boy is, would This is exactly how, yeah, teenage bullies boy. speak. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Sean's trying to text Dylan later and George says oh we went to the cinema um, and Gary gave him some money and Sean's mad because he's told them that then you know not allowed to hang around together and then Gary's going behind his back giving him money to get to hang out together meanwhile on Victoria Street this is this was horrible they're all all the they're all ganging up on Liam and Dylan's being encouraged to join in and um, they're throwing rubbish on him and Mason starts to film it and then Dylan knocks the phone on the floor and Mason gets out this kind of little blade and starts to... Rah. That ramped it up a bit. It I wasn't bit. necessarily expecting that. I think... Um, this is horrible. Yeah. No, I, I, this is why I did think that he was doing a pretty decent performance, this little Liam lad. Yeah, he's doing and excellent. Really, really excellent. This, this is where Mason, I guess, 
has been turned from just a, a general antagonistic, annoying, threatening bully to someone who could actually do a lot of harm. And and this knife hasn't disappeared for good, has it? We see later. Um, it was a the, proper scary looking. It was. It was a it's curved. It was like a curved blade. It was like a little mini scythe, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the, later in the week, Dylan um, tells Mason that he's hidden it away in a bin, and and I just wonder whether someone is going to get themselves cut up in that one at one point. Maybe even Mason himself. I'm going to put this kebab in the bin. Ow! Yeah. What's happened to my fingers? <laughs> Tragic. Um, he runs off. Who uh, does? Liam runs away to Victoria Court, and Mason's like, yeah. <laughs> How could you? This is so dumb. Why does Mason so proud of himself? He's 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 picking on a tiny little boy. How much younger is Liam than these people? Or is he just? It's difficult smaller? to tell because I don't know. I don't how know how old. I've got no idea how old they're supposed to be. But like I think we said at the beginning, the uh, the the actor who plays Mason is clearly a little bit older than the character is supposed to be. Mm. So horrible. Sean comes to Victoria Court and has a go at Gary for giving Dylan the money and Gary calms him down and Maria says, look, I still think it was Mason that's behind this and he's bad news. And Gary says, oh, I had a word with him the other day and I think um, he's, I've put him straight, so don't worry about him. I love Gary's confidence in this. Gary's like, children are easy. You just, you just intimidate them, even if they're the same size as you are. <laughs> Liam tells Jake... Incredible appear, reappearing Jake. To remind everybody, Jake is the surrogate son that Gary and Izzy had. Yeah. Um, Tina. Very inconvenient child, isn't mm. he? But he's appeared again to be part of the show because they remembered he existed. <laughs> um, don't tell anybody, he says to Jake. And Jake's like, just don't worry, I'm, I'm barely in it, so <laughs> won't have a chance. Now we get to see Craig Tinker, who's been... Oh, yeah, he's been busted back down to PC, hasn't he? That's right. He's, his secondment is finished at, at CID. Did they literally just make him a detective so he could have something to do during the Stevens story? I, I really wonder, wonder if that's what... It does. And, and also, is this something that the police do? Oh, just have a do little they? try. Like, a little yeah, bit of I... a practice detect. Yeah, see if you can find a clue. <laughs> Craig clearly find a clue. totally the totally clueless. most clueless copper in Weatherfield. So they're stuck him back in his reflective jacket. And... It's like it's not really a demotion, Craig. It's just um, back where you belong. I'd say that he's better on the beat, but he yeah. did do a fairly poor body search of Mason, didn't oh, he? He didn't is, even yeah. check his lovely pink bag, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> Gives him a slight pat down. He's like, no. Well, hang on, yeah. If you've got a knife on you, I don't want to be patting you too hard because I might cut my finger. Yeah, I don't want to fight. <laughs> Also, paperwork. <laughs> All right, so yeah, he's you been, skipped he's... over, but put Craig stops Mason in the street. Says it's a stop and search. You've got reason to believe that you are carrying something you shouldn't be, which could be anything. What? What are you talking about? Arsenic, fireworks, date rape, drugs, gerbils. And he sends a script. Yeah. <laughs> Mason's not happy, but... Mason's know. not gangster enough for EastEnders. Tell you what, he, he can survive on Weatherfield. alive. Yeah, I think he would. But get Mason... out of my pub! <laughs> why, is he, why is he a bit Australian there? He's gone to Neighbours as well. Yeah, Weatherfield's like the testing ground for, for bad, for dodgy gangsters. And if they manage to pass, cut the, cut the mustard... There's no precedent then, for that, Michael. Off they go to EastEnders. So, um, they don't find anything. World's worst... Pat down. He needn't have bothered hiding it in the bin. When the police realise that 
Craig's also a really bad beat cop. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get a job at Hayes Travel. He could be made desk sergeant, couldn't he? Oh, yeah. we I suppose that is a promotion because it is some kind of sergeant. He could be the one that sits behind the desk. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you can be jailer. Maybe you can be in charge of the key of the, to the cells. He could be the person that slides the little the little door. Yeah, that's what it slides the door closed on Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, a panicked Mason goes to number 11, tells Dylan what's happened, and he reckons... Uh, and he's glad that Dylan's been looking after this knife for him. And he says, you keep it, I've got loads at home. Can't believe it. What is he, some kind of knife monger? <laughs> no, I, I thought they all eat with their fingers in Mason's house. <laughs> Just go, they're probably like... Oh, cut the jaw for them at home. They've, they've only got knives, they haven't got any forks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine how hard it'd be to eat beans in the house. <laughs> right, so it turns out later it was Jake what phoned the police. And Liam's not happy, says that Mason's going to kill him. Maria and Gary end the day, responsible parents, everything's fine, they're having their wine, they've sorted out all their children's problems, then we cut to Liam, who is crying in the bed while being bombarded with messages, all of whom calling him a rat. That was horrible, uh, that was, I just watched, I watched that thinking, I think, I don't think there's anybody who was watching that who hasn't been picked on or bullied or... Had people been arty to them at school, right? Yeah. But when we were kids, you went home and that was it. Maybe you you were you were anxious about the next day at school, but in your own house, you know, if you're being bullied at school, when you go home, that's the end of it. But now kids are connected, and all this stuff online being picked on and having messages sent to you when you're at home is just horrible. I I, I might imagine. Yeah, I, I know, and you, you tell the children to, like, block people and turn your phone off and everything, but... Um, it's not practical to turn your phone off. Not if you're using it as an alarm, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah. You don't have to have it right next to your head on the pillow, to be fair, but... That was a bit dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a visual thing, Michael. How mm. are we supposed to know? It, it can seem so easy for us, looking at the situation, to say, look, just tell your parents. Yeah. All you literally, all you need to, you've got so much evidence. And Mason's being very, very, again, risk, risk taking in this because there is so much evidence on Liam's phone. And I'm assuming at the end of the day, this is all going to get presented to Crawshaw or, or whoever, and Mason will get taken down a peg or two. Um, well, I, you know, I'm worried that it might turn into a schools don't do anything story which is true in some cases yeah no well this is something that schools limits. definitely have to put definitely have to you know have, well, have some kind of policy on it's, yeah. it's, this is a an out of school matter it, it's happening but but is it affecting things in school yeah so then it, is it a school matter can you get the parents involved to do anything doesn't sound like mason's parents are gonna we've well, never even trouble. met them but apparently they're they're all a bunch of wrong ones the majority of the time when a child is a bully it's because there's a bad home situation. So what kind of what do you expect the parents to particularly do? And and you are limited, you know, for what you can do as a school. Yeah, it's it's not as easy. No, schools can't control this really at all. If schools, if sc- the thing is, 
Well, we, I don't see why can... people think that schools have have more power than parents do. If a parent can't stop a kid from bully, being bullied mm. or bullying somebody, what I would... kind of... I think that schools do a decent as job as they can giving PSHE lessons about it and yeah. you know you got your consent workshop that Daniel did at the school and it's, but it's kids horrible scroty kids will be horrible kids at the end of the day especially these these nasty teenagers that have got that have had bad role models growing up probably in Mason's case a couple of lessons aren't really going to make much of a difference to it no, I don't really know what the solution is. No, if there was, it's... Honestly, I really if there wish was there an easy, yeah. easy solution, it would have been discovered and used by... And it's not like... I just I just hope that people realise that schools aren't dragging their feet on things. No, 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 not at all. It's a really difficult situation. Like, in the old days, you'd just smack Mason around the head with a book. <laughs> and um, hope his eyes didn't pop out. Mm. And then tell him to... Go home or something, but yeah. these days you're not oh, allowed. That's a bit old school there. Not allowed to do that. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I, I, I did feel, I, I do, I do feel bad for Liam. I, I, I was watching that episode thinking, I should feel worse than I do at the moment. Well, I, I, I if, if it had been happening to Sam, just think that that would have been different. I think. Okay. Because I've built up Some this people, love and yeah. affection for him, but I will, I will hold my hands up and but say, looking at the 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 feedback that Wednesday's yeah. episode of Cory got online, there was an awful, awful lot of people for whom that scene hit in exactly the right way it should do. Well, Liam's also got the kind of he looks like the sad eyed emoji. <laughs> He's got a really perfect face for looking tragic, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah he he played that scene very very well. But I'm surprised because I know that you were picked on at school. Yeah. I was picked on at school. So when I'm watching him crying, I'm thinking, oh, that reminds me. Yeah, I know. But it's obviously not hitting you the same way, is it? It didn't for me. Because obviously I've got nothing in common with Liam. I was never (laughs) bullied. I'm not a little boy. I was never bullied through, um, through my phone. No. I didn't have a knife pulled on me or rubbish thrown at my head. So, Hmm. but I could still, it's the universal, um... Emotion, Michael. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> On Friday, um, Dev presents an unimpressed Dylan. He's starting job his job at Prima Donna with a hand-me-down uniform that has got Kathy written on the back of it, and I thought that was fantastic. Did, Mason also Dev thinks it's great, but it's for a different reason. Um, and he says, I'll let you off what you owe me if you give me free kebabs. Then Sean gets a phone call from Crawshaw because Dylan hasn't turned up to school. And Gary's like, oh, when do you, oh, they might be here, they might be there. They're probably not in Victoria Gardens because that'd be an obvious, too obvious place to hide. Literally... <laughs> but they were. They were there having some kind of Thunderbird-esque fashion shoot, weren't they, with Dylan's uh, prima donna hat. That's right. That's what kids get up to yeah, they when they're punking up school. Yeah, with, with they, just, they just take photographs of each other. Um, it's not Berry, obviously. They, they walk past, the boys run away, and as they go down the road, they knock on the undertaker's door and hide behind a a car, the most hilarious... What a pair of, j- of japers, aren't they? That was the funniest joke I've ever seen. <laughs> God, being a kid is so obnoxious, isn't it? <laughs> naughty, naughty boys. So, then they see Simon, who is filling the boot of a car with all of his pallets. pallets we haven't wares. talked about this storyline yet, but he God, got you just a wait. bunch of return pallets, and one of the things in there is a box of vapes. And he conveniently drops the vapes on the floor just to show Mason and Dylan what he's got <laughs> in this box. 
oh no, my vapes. If, only, if they drop on the floor, what will I do? These are worth so much money. Mm. I don't know why I'm talking to myself. I guess it's because I've got no friends. Shut up, Simon. No, you shut up, Simon. <laughs> oh, this is probably why I don't have any friends. Anyway, <laughs> back, back to loading the car. Do, 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 do. Puts his box in there. And, and uh, Mason's like, we should nick those vapes and sell them. And Dylan's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And Mason says, yeah, we should do it though, shouldn't we? Uses the power of peer pressure on him and it works. It works very quickly. <laughs> he says, "You, I'll distract him and you nick them. And then Simon goes into the, the bistro to get more stuff, leaving the vapes unattended in the boot. And they're like, right, wait for him to come back so we can steal it from him. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes back out again. We've got to do it in a way that's going to make him feel the most stupid. <laughs> really want a precious spirit <laughs> still is mate precious spirit <laughs> yes so um <laughs> mason distracts it. simon and then dylan nicks the vapes out of the boot and runs away um sean goes to gary's flat because he's concerned about dylan and thinks he might be being bullied at school and he hasn't noticed because he's wrapped up in his own pro- own problems then we get um peter who finds simon sulking about his stolen vapes who would have thought that leaving your car unattended full of goods in in the in a busy crime-ridden road? I mean, it's lucky he wasn't murdered. That's more likely than, <laughs> than things being stolen. I suppose he wasn't yeah. wrong to think that it would be all right. Peter's like, oh, I'm going to find those, those vapes if it's the last thing I do. So he goes looking in the precinct and he finds Max and Gav just... So we've got Villains Alley. This is a break between stories, aren't they? Like, oh, hello. Yeah. We're just, we're pra- just, just rehearsing our break. lines for next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so we've got... Well, the- Gav was the one that was vaping, wasn't he? I know. It? Naughty. They've got um, the Villains Alley next to the Undertakers. But what is this in the precinct? Scroats Alley. <laughs> uh, Scroats cul-de-sac. <laughs> so they are Scroats Nook <laughs> Scroats Nook yeah they're hanging out in Scroats Nook <laughs> vaping and um, that's what their retirement home is going to be called Scroats Nook Peter's saying where'd you get that from and he says Dylan's friend yeah and so Peter goes to, to number 11 which is where Dylan lives and he looks through Thanks. the letterbox and it was hilarious because, because Dylan and Mason, it's like they were like, right, where should we stand? I want to stand within the eyeline in case somebody looks through the letterbox and I can catch their eye immediately. He opens the, the he opens the letterbox to like a tableau of two scared boys going, oh no. <laughs> Bastard. Um, so he's like, oi, I know you're in there. I'm going to break the door down if you don't um, let me in. And they're like, go on then. So he does, which is brilliant. He he bursts through the door and then he grabs Dylan by the scruff of the neck and Mason legs it. I mean, what a coward. Why doesn't why doesn't anyone confront Mason for being a cowardly bumhole? So um Eileen and George turn up. Eileen's like summoned from beyond. Where is she? Where she's been. And she doesn't really do much either, does she's she? Like, she's Oi, like, Oi, what are you doing? This is my house. Peter says, he stole this Dylan stolen vapes. And um, Dylan makes a really great, uh, what's the word? He's really good at defending himself. Yeah, and he's like outraged. Himself. Like, how dare you suggest I would ever do such a thing? Sean comes in and has a go at Peter. And Dylan, he, Peter's, uh, sorry. Peter's saying, no, 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 he did steal them. He's, he's, in this, he's in this bag, surely. And he starts going through his bag. And Dylan's like, nope, it wasn't me. 
Um, and then Peter eventually leaves. Dylan admits that someone's make it, been making him sell vapes, but he didn't steal Simon's Definitely vapes. not definitely, Mason. And it definitely wasn't Mason that would done it, and it definitely wasn't Liam, and he definitely didn't go to school because he f- definitely did forget his PE kit. And Sean's like, there's a lot of holes in this story, but I will believe you. Sean, Sean's reaction was less like, oh yeah, I used to forget my PE kit too. You did it on purpose, Sean. But... <laughs> Is he, so he's, he's ducked out of school the whole day because he's forgotten his PE kit, is what? <laughs> yeah. Well, Convenient excuse there. So he... Um, Sean goes over to Peter's and has a go at him for, for accosting his son and breaking the door down, which was quite dramatic, wasn't it? It's not like he doesn't... It's, literally, Peter, you know that they live in that house. You could come back another time, can you? <laughs> So um, he has a go, yeah, and then leaves because this is when Peter's Carla comes in. He's got problems at the moment. He's in trouble, yeah. <sighs> Dylan meets up with Mason later and then he hears that Dylan's put the vapes in the bin with the knife. Now, just a note to everybody listening. Bins are not good places to store things that you want to keep. No, when's bin day in Weatherfield? Exactly. That's the next week, probably. And so Dylan says, yeah, yeah, brilliant. We're going to sell, we're going to sell the, the vapes. We're going to do it through the kebab shop. You, I'll send people to you and um, you just you do it that way. And I'll, you know, it will all be fine. And Dylan's like, oh no, that sounds like a bad idea. But in the end, he, when he gets his, gets his job, first customer first, and it all turns out all it's right, all fine. Yeah. And he sells a Coke on top. Yeah. Dylan comes back home at the end of the day and Mason's telling him on the other end of the phone uh, what a great job he did. And it's all a great end for Dylan. This is kind of like the biggest story of the week and we kind of get in from our discussion of it that we're not super thrilled about how it's been. It's like, it's been all right, this story. but I, I'm, I'm. It's not bad, what do you mean? I think it's... It's not bad. I, I think I'm just kind of losing patience a little bit with, with teen stories. It's, I guess it's the not trouble really is me. there are lots of teen stories. Yeah. And we've praised them before. But this is on the very younger end of the teen stuff. Mm. And... It's definitely realistic and relevant. Yeah, yeah. It feels well, real. Well, realistic, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a It's a modern issue. What vapes? Not, stealing vapes? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not kind of knocking it for that, but just the. the it does feel a bit like Grange it's, Hill. It's yeah, yeah. You're right. It feels like I'm watching Grange Hill. And the, and there's lot and there's lots of characters in it that I don't know well, I mean, enough about, like, like Dylan and and. Well, yeah, Dylan has hardly been in it. Jake appeared from nowhere because Dylan hasn't. No, what Liam hasn't got any. It's Liam's like they've been again. on the sidelines, haven't they? They've been waiting to be subbed in for years, and finally they get their chance. And we're like, who's who's these guys? I think it's a canny idea to give it give it the bully story to try to push these characters into the centre a bit more because it's a it's a universal story. Even if you don't have experience of being bullied at school, you can imagine how horrible it was. I don't. I refuse to believe that there's anyone who's who would never had a bad time at school from another kid. Mm. And if they if they didn't, they probably were the bully. <laughs> but for for me, the the best thing that's come out of this story, or one of the best at least, has been seeing another side of Sean and trying to juggle, still having a good relationship with Dylan, but also proving that he can be a a dad and he's gonna try and stomp his authority as yeah. best he can. And and it's been a lot. We've seen a lot more than him than the usual. Just 
seven at the Rovers, flick of the head kind of, which I don't have a problem with. I, I like I like that aspect of Sean as well. But I think that he's been at his best when he's trying to parent Dylan. Um, but but to, even this week, like I said, when he was started just for plot reasons, for convenience, for, for the aggro and the drama, he decided to refuse to believe that it maybe wasn't Liam who stole the shoes. It, it didn't really ring true to me and it was yeah just a bit bit as I say plot convenient um it's it's fun uh watching characters like Gary and Maria and um when we had it with Max and David who are sort of similar characters with similar ages to us mm. like going oh god now I've got to be the parent yeah I mean we've we've seen these characters grow up from a very young age, haven't we? Oh yeah, we've seen and, and David Im- from a child. We've seen Maria since she was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And Sean, well, he was just a young man. Yeah, and but... Gary was obviously a bit of a, a bit of a mason himself back in the day, wasn't yeah. he? But he's well, he's not quite a reformed character. The thing is, about, it kind of does feel a bit like um, they are being densified a little bit. To, to, they're to, being very blinkered about what's going under the their situation. nose but that I mean in some ways that's probably realistic as well you probably do get parents of bullying victims or and bullies that have got no idea what's well, going on when you point blank it's... ask a kid are you being bullied at school and they say no I'm not mm. what can you do it's, it's just like uh, you, and it's you'd one of those say things... and, and we can say this as not being parents it's like oh you'd think you'd notice the signs but obviously, well, no, obviously you, you don't kids are good at hiding things yeah yeah if a kid, and if you're suspicious enough to ask them, mm. so do you do you think someone's going to end up being stabbed at the end of this? Yeah. Is it going to be Alia again? Alia's like, let me be the victim. <laughs> Bully me. I, I I I just kind of imagine that the way that this Mason's is going to end for Mason. Himself. No, I I I just think that Mason's going to end up being expelled at the end of this, and, and he'll, he'll kind like of, moodily. Yeah, he'll stump off, off, and 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 that's the last we'll see of him, possibly. Um, but no, I, th- I think there's not unlikely to be some stabbing going on here, but not sure who it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be Orla Corsha. That'd <gasps> no! That dramatic, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's why she's back again. But anyway, they, they did they, they did not do bad a job with that story, I suppose. I, it, it just didn't really, really grip me. Um, same with... I, sp- I want to just go back and talk about Simon and his palette, not that there's anything to say, basically. Simon's got a palette. Because he's got nothing else going on in his Brilliant. life. So he decides to buy a returns palette from Amazon. Maybe as a I way of getting some extra Amazon. cash. Well, you know. So, Is well, any any online... Yes. Well, the, 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 I'm the, obsessed with this. The Barlow household are having financial troubles at the moment, aren't they? I don't know what Ryan's been up to at this point. Um, Ryan, sorry. Is he still living off. there? We've got to earn more money. <laughs> look, it's, look what Simon's done. Um, but, uh, Simon, get on OnlyFans. Speaking of money, we had this bit. We, we, this week has seen the, um, the 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 gradual breakup again, possibly unrealistic filming as a scening a little bit between Peter and Carla because she's come out of nowhere a bit. A little bit. She she decides to give um, Sean and Beth their jobs back on Monday's episode, and Beth's able to wangle an extra grand out of her. Now you were quite. Um, I was on their side. Yeah, exactly. Because I was really shocked how many people were acting as though they're being entitled. Yeah. Got to be paid. They they've not been paid properly regularly for a few months by this point, how, and everyone's being afford? very kind. And usually. I, you know, I'm against Beth from being narky and confrontational and just nasty, but in this case, it was kind of How deserved. How many people 
on, I, I presume they're on a minimum wage here. They're mm. not being paid, you know, a, ra- a king's ransom to work here. Who's who's on those kind of wages who can afford to not get paid for months on end? I couldn't. No, exactly. And I mean, Beth's wage, you got Beth and you got Kirk. They're not going to be... Yeah, what are they doing? They've they, got a dog to bring up here, Most people don't have Gemma. any savings. Mm. So the fact that people are like... Oh. And the way that Carla was acting like they were... They were the scum of the earth for even asking. And even even Peter got his nose put out of joint by the idea that they should be given money. Mm. I mean, I know they're getting money on top of it, but at the same time, if Carla's got money to give them a grand each to shut them up, why don't she give everybody... Well, I think this is the thing. She hasn't really got it, and they're just well, making the financial it, situation even worse. She should get on OnlyFans. <laughs> That's my solution People would to pay everything. for that. People would pay That's for that. That's my solution to everything. Everybody on Weatherby should just to get rid of the get, factory get your and turn it into a brothel. <laughs> um, Wednesday, we had Leanne finding out about this pallet because it doesn't get delivered to the bistro and it gives Leanne a chance to cross her arms and get and narky, see what she does best. Um, and this, this is Moaning when we find out that the boxes are full of vapes. There was a scene with Peter in Victoria Gardens. Did you see he was reading the looking at the Hayes travel advert there? Yes, he did. I told the, uh... I told you he was looking at the oh, Hayes yeah, travel didn't, advert. Didn't He's still thinking I said, about. I wrote it down because that's still quite significant. Yeah, they're, they're their because new sponsors, I think that's aren't they? The first time. Well, no, because well, we've got the we had the Argos advert on the bus station today. Yes, we did. We had an appearance on Connie and Trevor on the bus stop, didn't but we? But I don't think we've ever seen a sponsor of the show appear in a newspaper advert in the show. No. This is probably the first time that's happened. If I'm wrong, let me know. Well, in, with with the other sponsors, like they can have the Argos fan drive down the road and you can have people carrying costas, can't you? You can have them with co-op bags. We Hayes were wondering, travel. there's only so much yeah. you can do with Hayes Travel. With EE, but is they this... had um, EE on their yeah, phones they the and route... they had the routers in yeah. their house. But does this mean that people are just going to be looking at Hayes Travel adverts in the paper now? Well, you can just imagine a casual conversation in the Rovers once it reopens. So, were you getting anywhere nice on your holidays? Yes, with Hayes Travel, <laughs> I, can, I managed to find a really great deal on a half-term holiday break to Greece. That's amazing. I was looking in the window the other day, and they're doing a cruise to New York for seven nights for five nine 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 five. It didn't feel like it stood out too much to me, but I think it was because no. it was the first one. And if we, when we start well, to see them, like at the moment, it's a game of spot the Argos van at least once a week, or who's going to order the Heineken Zero this week in the Rovers <laughs> or the Bistro. How um, much can they sponsor? How much can they get sponsored? Mm. Do you do you reckon you'll be able know. to buy that um, knife Mason had from oh, the ITV online shop? <laughs> um, so Peter's kind of pining for this life abroad, isn't he? Because he wanted to go on the boat with Carla, and that's kind of fallen you through a little bit. You can't escape your problems, so, Peter. Yeah, um, and and then there was a scene where what happens here? Simon causing a power outage. Oh, he's he's trying to. What happens there? He's trying to test all the stuff he's got off his. Pallet. Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah, he's got, he's got a, load a dodgy of blender, isn't he? Yeah. And he plugs it in, and it ruins. Mm. Mm. Think of all those beautiful re- homemade meals that are in the freezer that are in danger now of defrosting. That Carla's made them yeah. with her own fair hands. <laughs> There's a scene at the end which is kind of sweet with Leanne and Peter, who we kind of have to remember they how they were in a relationship back in the day. And uh, he, t- he tells her that he has good days and bad days, but today's not such a bad one. But he does have a fairly bad one on Friday. We've well, already on. talked about him knocking down the door in number 11. Well, this is where it gets set up also on Wednesday that they're going to try and flog these vapes at a market stall that Peter's friend Yeah, has. I probably should have just done this story first, but never mind. Um, Sean 
tells Peter he lets it on drop Friday. in the front on the cafe on Friday that he and Beth are getting this extra payout. Peter's not happy about this because he knows that Carla hasn't got well he he said he what thinks that Carla hasn't got what do you mean he's got a lot to do with it? It's her, her business. It's he has no idea what she's got. I'm about I imagine it's affecting her take home pay though. I just think it's none of his but if it's her business he doesn't. He should. He should stay out of it. Mm. He certainly was not right to go in and tell everybody what he did. No, I. I think. I guess that was quite out of order. Marching into the factory. The fact that he thinks he knows better than Carla about what she should do with her business that infuriates. You got to cut him a bit of slack, though, hasn't he? he? Because he is suffering having... from his post. Yes. Post so, Stephen murdering so traumas. Guess, yeah, I'll give him. I'll give him slack there. But uh, up until that point, I was going, "Who the hell do you think you are, telling Carla how to run a business? She's perfectly capable well, of running it into the ground herself. She's yeah. been doing it for years." So this is where Carla and Peter have their little uh, little spat, don't they? And P- Peter says, "Oh, Carla, you never care what I say, and no, you on. don't care how what I think." No, before then, what Peter walks into the factory, yeah, and tells well, I everybody, we said that. and then. Well, it, well, he, everybody he tells, meaning Izzy who's the only one that seems to be where working on Friday because everyone else know, has disappeared off for an early start for the weekend I don't know what happened here but it was quite funny that Beth and Sean extorted money from Carla to, to turn up to work and then they had to keep telling everybody on Friday that they weren't there for perfectly reasonable reasons yeah <laughs> um, anyway um, then then we get the bit so, so Peter and Carla are having a fallout um, and then Simon gets his vapes nick, like we said before, and Carla walks in on Sean having a go at Peter later. She's able to calm Sean down and convince him, maybe not go to the police for Peter kicking your door down. And then there's just this <laughs> lovely, lovely scene with Peter and Carla where he starts talking about all the flashbacks that he's having. And, and he's doing yeah. such a good job of repressing them appearing on screen as well. Well I know. done, Peter. I'll tell you what, he's taking one for the team. That's why he's, he's acting out in other ways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everyone else just has a flashback to, to help deal with their Everybody problems else that Peter has, can't. has funny camera camera things and like sound effects and I have just hear kicking doors down. Do you think, you know, you get some people that have got that condition where they can't visualise things. Yeah. Was it aphasia or something, I is mean, it called? Maybe Peter's got a, a rare soap condition that he can't have flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, he's going to go to the counsellor because Carla talks about, you know, go and see a psychologist and Peter's like, I don't know whether it'll be any good. Can you imagine him there sitting on on the couch and the, the council's like hey, are right, you having now, flashback this is a perfectly you, healthy way to deal with it and he's like I can't I've been trying on screen what happened to you <laughs> and if you can make the edges blurry and a bit dark and make it more grayscale than normal it would be quite handy for yeah, us to just, tell that it's a memory yeah you can imagine him really really concentrating there <laughs> trying to make a flashback just appear and then maybe he gets a little blip and then she's like well done you're cured you're one of us now no he can't do it and he leaps up and just kicks the door down <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they they end up having a lovely hug at the end of the scene, don't they? She she promises to stick with by him, and um, she forgives him for what for having a go at her earlier, and she loves him. And Chris Gascoigne well, again doing a superb job, crying his eyes out. He's yeah. just completely and utterly broken by the fact that he killed Stephen, Stephen Reed, and he can't for, he can't forget it, and he can't forgive himself. And yeah. I I love how they're still holding on to this part of the story and it's not just like oh I killed him oh well guess get on with my life 
Well, that's what Toya did. Just move on. Yeah, this, this is showing that Peter has got a bit more of a conscience than Toya. What? No, no. She's better adjusted. She's got flash. She has her own flashbacks. She didn't need him. Oh, yeah, she did, didn't she? Don't, she? She had a whole week of flashbacks before she even killed him. No, that was flash forwards. Well, there you go. See, superior. <laughs> um, anyway, that was all good stuff. She's and then... like, I had to kill him. I saw it. I saw the future. <laughs> <laughs> Carla goes to the factory and speaks to Sarah and says, you know, you know how my husband killed your uncle? He's finding it really hard to cope with all that. <laughs> how are you feeling? She didn't even ask that, did she? She's like, God, your, your uncle's still causing troubles. Yeah. Even after he died. Yeah. I mean, far be it for me to victim blame here on, on Peter... But he should have played Tetris immediately after he killed Stephen because that prevents PTSD. Do you, th- Peter Esty? That's yeah. what we should call the storyline. Should do, shouldn't we? Do you think that that was literally the whole point of Simon getting a pallet? I was wondering earlier in the week. What is this? Is this a story? Is this the beginning of a story? Simon gets a pallet delivered. That's not you know top tier story writing, is it? But Why maybe you- maybe all it is is this is how he gets some vapes. But I was, well, I don't know. I mean, I I was wondering, like, are they going to make him an entrepreneur? Because they, didn't they talk, didn't Peter talk about, oh, this is how Alan Sugar started? No, it was the Dragon's Den bloke they mentioned, wasn't it? Um, Well, he's pretty enough at it so far. He's just given up and shorted the house out and got all the stuff stolen. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was that story. We're whizzing through him today. Um, do you want me to? Because that was just a short one. Do you want me to? Oh, you do you want, want to do, do the next one? one? Oh, I don't. Like you deserve I'm very, very, very tired at the moment, but I'll have a go anyway. So this is the Rovers and also Ed story, which are kind of related. Um, Ed's very excited about being able to give Glory this Wendy house for Christmas. Where's she putting it? I don't Simpleton. know. Doesn't he say it's in the toilet? I, I don't know. Anyway. It's in the toilet. <laughs> you know, in the outside loo. Has he got one of those? Did he get a Kazi in the yard? A dunny. Um, we get. Um, a call, phone call from Grandad Sarge. Well, Michael gets a phone call, doesn't he? So Ed's da- Ed and Ronnie's dad on the blower later. I can't remember what he says. He was it mentioned last week? I think he was, wasn't he? I think he was. I think he was. But anyway, he's 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 edging closer towards Weatherfield now. Um, Dee Dee invites Joel to their Christmas dinner. Well, there's a party pooper. Well, they <laughs> his family are away. Is it because? They're trying to get Just away trying from to get Joel. away from Joel. Maybe they're all in their house with all the lights turned off, going, "Don't, don't tell Joel telly. we're in." And they're all sitting in the dark with nothing to watch on telly. Telly, going, "This is still better than <laughs> Joel Christmas being here." Joel. <laughs> and uh, Ed's like, "Okay." And then uh, I think they say, "What? What can? What can you? What can he bring?" Yeah, and you said the bread sauce, bread sauce <laughs> the, thing. the blandest thing. So anyway, it's going to be Noel with Joel at the Bailey's household this year. What? <laughs> a bloody um, pint of cold water that'll be and um, anyway Ed, Ed's like fine that sounds good he's um, like I don't care Ron, Ronnie and, and Ed uh, no Debbie comes in at this point doesn't she and she's, she's been shopping and Ronnie tells her and Ed that he's got this mate that wants them to turn the rovers into flats it's a very small world and somebody he knows is buying the rovers it's not going to be down to us to turn it into flats developers I guess not and but get this he wants us to do the renovation on it how exciting Debbie's thrilled for them but warns him that taking on this community can be difficult. And I did and I, I did appreciate the fact that, that we had a bit of a callback to her working alongside Ray Crosby the last time they tried to build flats on the other end of the street. She's, she's also saying to them, you do realise that it's not actually as big 
in real life is the plan say it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good and point. And Ken's going to want his front room back for the toilets. I want them to be digging up a, a, and renovating the rovers and then just discover the snug. Like, like, hang on a minute, there's a door here. Ronnie, physi- this? It's not physically possible. <laughs> now there's your Doctor Who crossover. The rovers yeah, is the actually rovers a target, target, isn't yeah. it? So Ed tells Michael about Joel coming around for Christmas and Michael says, well, we're going to have a visit from... From Grandad Sarge ourselves soon, is what I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, I hope Sarge tells Joel to get bent. <laughs> Why are you dating my amazing granddaughter? She deserves better than you. You're the most boring man I've ever met in my life. Jenny, um, later on, confronts Ronnie about the conversion. And she's like, oh, we've got so no, many special memories. did Glenda confront Ronnie with no, Jenny no. behind her? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. That's right, that was right. Glenda's... Really fired up. Jenny seems to have, well, by this point in the week, she's, yeah, just resigned herself to the fact that 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 corner of her life, that that book of of her life has been closed. Um, But Glenda's not ready to give up without a fight. So she goes and had a go with Ronnie. And uh, he says, well, you know, there's been lots of people interested. If we didn't do it, someone else is just going to snap it up anyway. Um, But he ends up relenting and says he'll talk to his mate. He... It's feeling like um, they're trying to maybe bring back a little bit of the Ronnie and Jenny relationship. Because didn't wasn't this the scene where Jenny says, oh, we've got so many special memories there. And Ronnie's like, oh, I don't... do you remember our night or whatever it was? And the fact that he has a bit of a fallout with Debbie over the fact that he's not... Um, renovating the Rovers is making me oh, wonder man. slash Jenny worry needs to let that, that bed cool that, down. That Ronnie's gonna be making making moves right. on the Genster. Soon. She's not good at picking him at the moment. No, she's really, really they not. They either die or they kill people. <laughs> um, so Ronnie finds Ed in the builder's office later and says, "Oh, Dad's coming to visit." Ronnie says, "Well, there wasn't enough room for us. There wasn't enough room for him at our house." With me and Debbie there, so sorry. It looks like he's gonna have to stay with you. Um, and we and get Ron- the, we yeah, get the idea that Ronnie is the golden child uh, in Sarge's view, which is gonna make Ed feel even worse at the moment because he knows he's going through something that, um, if it ever came out to Sarge that he was back on the gambling yeah. again, uh, that's not that's not gonna go down so well. So what does he do? He goes and gets it. Well, he tries to go to the bookies, doesn't he? But then he sees Michael walking down the street and decides to go and chase after him after all, instead, I mean. And he's like, hey, what? I bet you. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> what? Sorry, I just remember my eye I missed that one. Um, so anyway, Wednesday. Um, this is, I think this is when we see Craig back in his, back in his, uh, Copper's uniform again, isn't it? And Jenny and him time, meet yeah. outside the Rovers for the uh, the weekly ginger convention. <sighs> and they look over the street and um, say, oh, wouldn't it be sad if the Rovers became flats? Ronnie's there listening on, thinking, oh, sorry, that sounds like my fault. This is why I think that he maybe changed his mind about doing it, because he wants to seem like he's the hero in Jenny's eyes, the one How that's many... maybe stopped the bulldozers. Do you think they'd knock the building down and build new stuff? Or do you think they turn it into flats? How many flats, realistically, could you You're get? You're not going to get many flats in there. Two? Yeah. I reckon two. So I think they're wanting to build up. Yeah. So There's enough room in the yard for a Wendy house. I was a bit confused with the with the new two 
extra characters we had in this storyline. So we've got Ed's budgie killing mate, Who's haven't this we? Man? This is How just... do you know he killed a budgie? When did they... that come up? No, it came up with him and Michael because Michael was saying, oh yeah, I remember him. He killed my budgie once. And then they just kind of laughed about it. Why and it got you... brought up a few times. It's like, oh well, these things How happen. How did he do it? With, a, with like a shovel? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember what they said. But anyway, he's coming over because he wants to help install this hoist for Paul and Billy in the bathroom. And um, and he he's basically, he wants his money, doesn't he? Oh, all these greedy, grasping people want to get paid for their labour. I know, I know. I, it just really annoys me at the moment. I don't think Corey's realised that they're making out that working class people expecting to be paid for doing work is some kind of daylight robbery. Yeah, yeah. This this is this is like the, the, the problem. The focus really is on middle class business owners instead of working class people because... It really felt as though we were seeing Beth and um, Sean asking for money from Carla's perspective rather than from, from their perspective. And now mm. we're seeing um, Ed's perspective of this man saying, well, you know, I did a job, where's my money? Yeah, you're right. You're we, supposed got, to be like, we got two characters here who are supposed... They're holding the purse strings, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, and we're supposed to feel bad for them. that they, they can't pay people that they're still expecting labour from. Mm. Mm. So they go over to Where's Paul's the class flat. They go over to Paul's Coronation flat. Street. And, uh, and Ed says to this bloke, sorry, look, I'm not going to be able to pay you. Oh, no, Paul says to Ed, sorry, I can't pay you until my disability grant comes through. And Ed has, kind of has to say through gritted teeth, oh, no, that's fine, Paul, you are dying after all. And I know, I do not understand that when you're a small business, you do have to get paid before you can pay the people. But mm. the point stands here that it's all coming at once. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um yeah, they have a nice little little exchange about, oh, sorry that you're not doing so well, Paul, and I'll be able to help you if you need to. Just call me whenever. So that was lovely. Now, we have a meeting of the Rovers supporters. and It's the Save the Rovers campaign. It is. I, d- I would have thought that a Saving the Rovers campaign might attract a few more than, what was it, six people there? You are Jenny, a- Glenda, Brian, Daisy, um, Maria. I think Maria was only there in her capacity as counsellor. Yes. I'm so, I'm actually quite chuffed they got as many as they did because this is probably a very rare example of lots of characters being in one place at one time, don't you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I it just, where, where's where's Kevin in all this? You know, you can't where's... have that many people in it, Michael. It I know. Gets silly after it a just while. feels like I think six quite a, a few number. characters seem to have yeah, given up the on the Rovers. Thing. It's always the same. Even you know, we said it on the the Rovers final night when Ken and Rita were in there, and Ken was having a few little memories of the good times in the Rovers, but he didn't seem as bothered. Michael, what you didn't even want to go to your own birthday party this year? How That's can you true. complain about people not going to a meeting to save a pub? <laughs> um... Daisy comes into the pub and says, I've just seen some official looking bloke going, going into the Rovers. Could he be a buyer? Maybe it's a Jen, Jen all for going over there and trying Beating to put them, them off. Jenny says, look, hold your horses. I, I don't know whether this is worth it. If we're going to do anything, let's put together a plan of action first. Daisy says, I'm going to take the lead and be all calm and cool and collected to them. And then Debbie wanders in, wants, wanting to know what's going on. She's not happy with the idea that they're trying to do something that could mean... Less money for Vinny, I suppose. Um, what happens then? I Do we? We just end up working our way towards that that lovely speech that Jenny gave. But I can't remember what happened in the meantime. Um, the, the the well, they're saying. I oh, don't this, think is, this is this is going to work. Yeah, this is when this is when the Baileys and um, 
this potential buyer comes into the cafe, don't they? And they have a bit of a confrontation, but then they end up back at number three. Well, no. And Ronnie then puts the guy off of it. You called him, you called him Vinny earlier, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did say I wondered, Vinny. I was like, I thought it's... I, I don't mean Vinny. I'm thinking of Vinter Morgan. Ronnie. <laughs> so Ronnie, Ronnie puts him off and says that it's going to... Making this into flats is just going to lose money. Yeah. He, and he's like, okay. He he didn't need much convincing, did he? But why? Yeah, I know. But why would he be lying? Why would you, if you're this man and you've asked a man to help you? Yeah, but at least at least stay for a cup of tea, just to be civil, you know. Dunk a few custard creams. I don't to, like tea. to show there's no hard feelings. I don't like tea out. It's never as good as it's at home. <laughs> so Ed finds out that this money from this guy that they thought they might have coming in has now been snatched away from them. So he gets out Norris's card, which he clearly didn't cut up last week. Um, and he's got a wallet full of money later, so he's obviously been um, been making good use of, uh, of his Norris card. Yeah. Um, Ronnie finds everybody in the shop later, all the, all the pro rovers lot, and says, "Well, you know what? Good news. I've convinced this guy not to buy. Debbie is not happy to hear this news." Um, Ronnie says, "No, look, seriously, the rovers is dead important to the people around here. Jenny's the best lady, landlady in Manchester." And this is what I'm thinking. It it really feels to me like he this is building up to him making a pass at Jenny, or Jenny, you know, if if Ronnie saves the day. Possibly. Is Jenny going to be so grateful to him that she takes him upstairs? Do you think that could happen? I wouldn't say it's out of the question. I, I agree. Mm. Um, so Budgie Killer um, isn't happy later when Ed says, sorry, you can't have the money today, but I swear it's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, and just, just to be clear, he's not hassling him for like gambling debts or drug money. He just money. wants to be paid he for installing paid... a hoist into Falls Flat. He's, he has owed this money. He's owed this money. But because they've kind of made him up to look a bit of a scruff bag, haven't they? And he's Le- also killed a budgie. Yeah, that's that says, this is a this is a bad guy. Yeah, he didn't even eat it. <laughs> um, you can understand it if he was hunting it for food. So at the end, towards the end of the episode, this is where we had the, the Daisy and Jenny scene, um, which is, that, that this was the, uh, this is the bid for the NTA <laughs> recognition. Yeah. Gale at the window speech, wasn't Gale it? Gale at the window speech. <laughs> I I I didn't I I thought that Sally Ann Matthews and Charlotte Jordan were both super during this and um, I really felt felt for Jenny. I, I I wasn't too convinced on the script. Um but it was true that um you know what Jenny was saying about you know pubs are disappearing all over the place at the moment. This this place is so special. It, it was a little bit of a this is the heart of Coronation Street, the program that we're in. Yeah, it didn't it didn't connect to me. Um it felt a bit Blank, but like like you said, and I agree with you. Sally and Matthews performed it really well, but it just but the script felt really obvious mm. and not very artful. Yeah, I can't remember it what was... it was about it, but Wednesday script as a whole, there were bits of it where it it, it just, just went, what? It, it it didn't didn't fit right. I think some like some of the stuff that I wasn't happy with Sean was on that episode as well. But yeah, I, it's it, not very it, often that we say specifically. No, th- this. This scene felt like it could have potential. been more than, than it actually was. I mean, it ended up on the positive note with Jenny saying, oh, we're going to fight for this. Let's get our pub back, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, anyway, it was it was, it was was an all right scene. It, it, yeah, there you go. And Daisy had a lovely coat and hair during it. She had hair. Lovely bobbly hair. So Friday, um, 
They're trying, trying to come to, up with ideas to, yeah. of how are we gonna how are we gonna get the right because to we, convince the bank to give well, us the money for, also, for for reopening this pub. The problem remains that, and and this has been pointed out many a time on social media, that the 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 Rovers was not making a profit, which is why they originally had to sell it. Yeah, and and why they were struggling. I just get a feeling that whenever it does open again, it's going to be suddenly fine. they're not going to have any money problems. No, nope, it will all just run completely smoothly. So I guess in a way this felt like, um, I don't think this is actually the show acknowledging the fact that they needed to actually make money and a profit with this. They're trying to make a business plan as to why they should be able to buy the ropes back. And Daisy's plan is that you you can order your drinks with a rotary phone. Yeah. Or have sushi, which One is worse. One of them old-fashioned phones with a cable, as she said. Yeah. Um, have sushi, which is a worse idea than Toya's wasabi peas, <laughs> quite do frankly. You not, do you not think that... Um... Weatherfield sushi. <laughs> Just whatever they hooked out of the canal that morning. It's, I'm sorry, this is actually... Um... It's steady. I... <laughs> I don't. I, I think that whenever the Rovers opens, I think it's going to be, be the exactly same. Exactly the same. I think it's going to be can, the same. Can but I just I, say, Jenny's already done this fake out <laughs> once. Can we really get away with doing it again? Where Jenny's like, we're going to do it all differently. It's definitely going to be a Rovers with a Z this time. Um, no, I. I um, Brian wants a coffee. No, I'm just trying to think. Well, I forgot what I was going to say. Brian starts moaning about coffees and how much they cost. Oh yeah, and that's what gives Jenny the brainwave of why don't we open this as a little cafe kind of place where you can go for your breakfast and, and, and have patisseries and, and all that. They've already done that in Weatherspoons. <laughs> um, meanwhile, with Ed, he's he's getting a bottle of rum from Paul, who's chuffed for the for the hoist, and um, Ed's pleased um, you could that he's gotten that at least. You could have the money for the rum, he, he'd so rather have this budgie money killer that man. he could give to the budgie, the budgie killer. Ed's he's not called, concerned about this, because he's... His he's called Tony... The budgie killer, by the Ed's way. Ed's not worried about the budgie killer because his budgie's dead. <laughs> you can only kill a budgie once. That's exactly. that's the trouble with being a budgie killer. Ed, once Ed, you've done it, you can't. There's no more threat. I've heard of a budgie smuggler, but not a budgie murderer before. <laughs> He's a budgie assassin. <laughs> um, he, he he tracks Ed down and says, "Give me my money." And Ed says, "Oh, I'll give you your money in a little bit." But he's just putting them off. Clearly. Why is he then there buying a coffee? Well, quite. He could have given him a bottle of rum. Said, "Look, look mate." <laughs> I don't have it now, but here's a bottle of rum. Michael sees um, a letter for Norris, which um, he opens up and finds That's out illegal. that his credit card has been frozen due to suspicious activity. Actually, so more you know tragedy heaped illegal? on. No, I didn't know that. If you if you're opening it and for a reasonable the reasonable purpose for for trying to discover how to return this letter, or I think it's allowed. That's okay. Oh, okay. But I don't, don't think take you, any illegal advice from this podcast. Do, I don't though. really don't think you should just... Well, anyway. I, well, don't understand why Michael's opening letters. I don't know. For the drama. Anyway. Ed, Ed tries to come up with the plausible the reason frozen. about how this could have happened. Like, maybe somebody picked picked out the letter out of the bin and applied for it in Norris's name. But, but clearly the walls are closing in on him a little bit. I can't believe he's he was letting Michael um, insist upon... All this stuff about, like, why don't you just take the letter and go, I'll sort it out later? Mm. Anyway, that was kind of it, really, wasn't it? There, there was a little bit about Shona not being happy to hear about the Rovers' uh, cafe ideas, which doesn't matter anyway because the bank weren't up for it. And there's another like, scene at the very yeah, end of, of Ed going, Oh, I wish I had money, which is just his catchphrase. Sell the Wendy at the house. 
Yeah, I got it. Sell the Wendy house. Maybe you will, and poor Glory will have to have no Christmas present. Sell the Wendy house, brick up the toilet, and make that the Wendy house. Yeah. The little toilet hut outside, she can play in that. <laughs> What's Good the bad about mind. that? I've played it's like in worse they prefer places the boxes to the actual toy yeah, sometimes, like, don't it's they? It's like being a cat. Yeah. How are you finding we've the... Already, uh, we've already likened cats to children on the show before. <laughs> How are you finding the uh, Bring Back the Rovers story, Gemma? Is it inspiring? Is it <sighs> is it capturing that heart of the essence of Coronation Street for you? Or is it just feeling it's like... It's so tricky. It's an inevitability. There's, they, they really... Not really much drama here. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, it's just no way to create real tension with this because you know, if it was if it was something like Jenny's not going to be the landlady anymore, then that's different because because there's a real danger as we've said before of them getting rid of they could get rid of a character far more easily than they can get rid of one of the very few original pieces of the show like. The heart of Coronation Street is literally a row of terraced houses with a shop at one end and a pub at the other. And that was what it was for many years. That was the original thing. That's what it was based on Archie Street all those years ago. They are never going to get rid of the corner shop and they're never going to get rid of the Rovers and they're never going to get rid of the terraced houses. No. This is not going to happen. Mm. I mean, they're more likely to get rid of the corner shop than they are the Rovers. I suppose the, the what we're... Maybe what they want the viewers to be thinking of, oh, I how I wonder how this is going to work, and and also is is there a possibility that there's going to be a, a shift in management? Well, not. If... And I'm somewhat interested in how it's going to work, <laughs> but I just can't fight the feeling of does it really matter because it's going to work? We know it's going to work, whether it comes from Ronnie or Jenny or just drops out of the sky. I mean, what, it would have been at the end of the day. more. Maybe it would have been more tense if they had a rivalry and say for example glenda was like i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna sell my little big shots franchise i'm gonna buy the rovers and then you've got if there was a big like a bidding war with a verse with a load of characters i'm just trying to think like yeah two fan favorite characters whoever they want whoever you want them to be Pick the two most popular characters, Jenny and whoever. And then they have... could do a decent bit of publicity around that, couldn't they? Of course. Who's going to own the Rovers, rather yeah. than just announcing, as they usually do, here's the next lady's uh, Rovers landlord, landlady, it's so-and-so. They could maybe keep it a mystery. Yes. Um, that that would have been a bit more... And then you would have got people fighting about it and, and talking online and discussing who they want. And then you can have soap mag pictures, you know, soap magazine covers with them staring at each other, their arms crossed, kind mm. of easy. As much this that would be, that would feel a lot more like oh. I mean that could that could still be to come, as right. far as we know. Well, I just made it up, so I'm, I'm be just, very surprised. I'm just a little bit worried that that Vinny's getting too close to it because I I don't want Vinny to be the next landlord. I don't want Vinny to come in and save the day and sweep Jenny off her feet. Yeah. I. But I guess we'll have to wait and see for that. So, next storyline is Amy and Flame Dealer. I was trying to make it into a point. No, we're talking like about you we've got the Amy stuff and also the Asher and Nina, which is totally not the same storyline. But I wrote them all in together for this week. Everyone just for can the cope with it because we all watched it together in the you show. You know what we're talking about. So, this is the. This is the um, 
follow-up to last Friday's fantastic scenes in the club, when uh, which caused uh. <laughs> a little bit of controversy online and, and got Gemma to stir up a few opinions there of her own. Yeah, and um, and we get to we get to see the the, the, the police station scenes on Monday, didn't yes. we? Yeah, drug so, all the men. Uh, where we, yeah, go on then. Remind us. Oh, oh, I thought you meant druggy. <laughs> right on Monday. Amy joins joins Ardy in the cafe. They haven't slept well. They're worried. Um, he's he's. <laughs> what? You've written. He's. You stop. I knew you would moan. I knew again. you would moan. But listen, it's funny. You wrote he's stick taking. <laughs> like he's going. It's like I can't hang out with you. I've got. I've. Got, I don't know if you know this, but I really love sticks. And I'm gonna go down Victoria Gardens and pick where's up all he, the sticks. Where's he stake? Where's he taking them? I think he goes and weaves um, scary pagan figures in the woods. <laughs> the Greg Woods. He's going to go and do a stock take at Fresco so we can't hang out with her today. But Nina can. Yes. Mm. They meet up at number one. Um, and Ardy says... Oh, yeah, that's right. He does, he does I, get I, out of there. I didn't. I decided I've got enough sticks. <laughs> Amy says... He's built his nest, hasn't he? <laughs> he's built a big nest in the woods. <laughs> do you think he's going to lead her into it? And then kind of sit proudly and go, Amy, Amy, look. Egg. <laughs> I laid an egg. <laughs> Where's he living at the moment? Has he stopped living in that old grotty flat? In a nest in woods. <laughs> it's like I can't tell my dad I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and he was applying for fresh goose. Where, where's your address? <laughs> Big nest. <laughs> Made it myself. Anyway, they, um, Amy, Amy's happy that he's hanging out with her. But then there's a knock at the door and it's Swain. And um, she has told them this Dan Morris man has woken up and so she needs Dan to come to the station because that he's said that Amy has drugged him. And Amy's like, no. Swain no, says, I yes, didn't. you did drug him, yes or no. And she says, I didn't put drugs in his drink. <laughs> so she knows she's done something a little bit wrong. Otherwise she'd have just said exactly what she did. <laughs> I'm t- I haven't, I haven't watched the scene, but I've got a feeling, and I don't know whether I'm just playing this in my head and making it up. Like, did she like nudge the drink towards yeah, him did. a couple of centimeters? Yeah, That's she did. Kind so of what? her doing it, isn't it? Don't going... even get me started. I am so, I'm so sick of <laughs> this idea. I've obviously got a vigilante justice in my, in my mind. I just, I'm sorry. It's like, if, you, if you're running to kill somebody with a knife and you fall over and stab yourself, I'm not going to cry over it. <laughs> Would you? Would you say that it was the person's fault for running away? Because that's know, the kind of equivalent, isn't it? In a this way. is like when somebody breaks into your house and trips over your cat and then sues the cat for being in the way when they're trying <laughs> to burgle you. I know it's happened, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but if you, if you, like, throw your cat at them... It's his fault for being in the way of my cat. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not going to get involved in it because everyone's got their own opinions. And I have said before on the show that I shouldn't be in charge of anything. So nobody needs to take me seriously. <laughs> um, but I, I, I will still say... That in the realm of fiction, yes, that guy deserves to get yeah, a taste did. of his own medicine. Literally. And that's what's important. Literal yeah. taste of his own medicine. Yes. She asks for a solicitor, and it's Dee Dee. And Dee Dee's like, oh, oh. And then, I hope no one can hear this, but I did do it, <laughs> and I and I did kidnap him. <laughs> but it's only for a joke. <laughs> it was a really funny joke. You should have seen his face. Ardy <laughs> talked me out of it, and Dee Dee says, "Oh no, this is." Um, this is a serious crime, actually, because even though it wasn't you that, that brought the drugs, you still did the drugging. 
um, Ardy is with Swain and he, he she's interviewing him separately and he's, she's telling him you've got to consider what you're saying don't lie to the police it's not going to go well for you then they speak to Amy again and, and they're saying to her how come you left the club and you said you were taking him to the hospital but it took you two hours and Amy's like Ardy was trying to show me his nest <laughs> <laughs> he took me to the woods <laughs> She says they got a bit lost. They put the wrong address in the sat nav. I mean, what the hell? Hospital. <laughs> we, we went to the. We went got to the maternity hospital and they said they couldn't help us. <laughs> and then I already started asking questions about egg laying. <laughs> anyway, we got the wrong address in the sat nav. And um, Swain says, "Oh, that's not what Ardy says. He said they you stopped for a bit because he thought he was going to be sick." And Dee Dee says, "Look, if they wanted to harm the man, they wouldn't have taken him to the hospital." If I was Dee Dee, I'd say. When was the last time a man voluntarily said he got lost? (laughs) There's no way he would admit to this. Of course, that's what happened. I think Dee Dee here at this point is thinking, I'm going to have to resort to that old chestnut again. But um, I don't... don't... What? I think it's kind of obvious that there there must be many times when this time has had to be accounted for. and, And obviously, it's probably quite believable to the copper that they were going to do something but they then bottled out of it and then decided to do the right thing. There's two... But Dee Dee's having to say, oh, well, you know... Well, there's two things, aren't there? There's what you did and what the police can prove. Mm. That's why I keep saying... Well, I don't even know why Amy said anything. A man goes into a club with drugs on him, date rape drugs. He comes out of the club unconscious, having taken the date rape dr- dr- drugs. Nobody needs to say anything. <laughs> do you, you didn't need to say anything. What are they going to prove? There's literally nothing they can do about it. If they've got a CCTV, Amy's just being quite kind of bold about it, and she doesn't really think that she done anything wrong. She she does in a way, but she she doesn't care. She still thinks this guy deserves it, and she she's so fed up with the fact that the police have been constantly, in her eyes, not doing enough. Mm. She just wants. They're she so doesn't want to me, stay quiet about it. They seem to be able to investigate this crime quite well, but the the thing that happened to her is oh, it's too hard to, mm. to prove anything. Hmm. So, um, yeah, Dee Dee trying to explain that that's just just ignore that time gap, and then someone comes in with some intriguing papers, and Swain stops the interview. Then we get Dev and Steve um, and Tracy. Uh, Dev finds Dean Tracy and has a go at them and is annoyed that Amy's got Ardy involved in some kind of drama and they were being taken away in a police car. So he and Steve go to the police station. Swain comes in and obviously what the paper said was that Dan's recovered and there's no chance of prosecution so they are letting Amy go. And Swain says that off the record, this guy, he's been identified uh, from some other women who were his victims and I can't talk about it because it's ongoing but um, mm. we're dropping everything but just don't go doing vigilante justice anymore please so Ardy and Amy go home and they tell Tracy that they had to give witness statements because they took a man to the hospital and it turns out he's wanted for a series of sexual assaults and, Amy, and Tracy believes them and is kind of appeased and then Amy and Ardy like few were in the clear um, they go for a snog, don't they? Oh, they, they start to kiss each other, but then Amy has an Aaron flashback, which is why 
Peter couldn't have any flashbacks because the flashback team were doing this <laughs> this week. She pulls away and she says, "Look, get get off of me! I, I just um, I can't I can't deal with it." Just as Dev and Steve walk into the lounge, and Steve's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm just like, "Sorry." Amy says, "No, it's not his fault." Then Amy has to go at Steve, saying that he's made things worse. Then she goes and sees Amy and tells her what's happened. Nina. And Nina. And says that she wanted to kiss Ardy for ages. And now, as soon as he tries to kiss her, she rejects him. What's wrong with her? I don't know. Um, what if I'm never able to have a relationship again because of what Aaron did to me? Ardy and Dev are chatting over a beer at home. And Dev says, you've got to respect Amy's space and give her time to heal. Which is very nice of him. Very respectful. Ardy catches up with Amy outside Roy's and says, sorry about earlier, maybe we should just be friends. I'm not ready for a relationship either. But Amy's a take it aback because it looks as though she was going to say something completely the opposite. Then we have um, Wednesday, Asha is heading out to meet Isla again and tells Nina that they can't do anything later because she yeah, and Isla... this is a totally different story. This is like a completely and utterly different story. So let's just dinner. pretend. Nina's not impressed. Then we have Ardy and Amy having an awkward exchange and they get to the co- co- uh, cafe at the same time and they agree to go out with Nina later. And Asha and Nina see each other later when Asha pops home for something. And Asha twigs that Nina's really mad about something. And Nina says, yeah, I'm mad. Don't say twigs, you'll get Ardy all excited about finding something for his nest. Caca! <laughs> Did you say sticks? <laughs> I'm going to do a stick take. Um, she Nina admits she's jealous of Asha's friendship with Isla even if it's irrational and Asha's like don't be silly we'll we'll do something another time so Asha is just being completely and utterly oblivious and blind the amount that she's going on about this girl she should have been able to A. guess that Nina wouldn't really be too keen on it and might be a bit jealous and B. see that she's clearly feeling a bit, you know... Left out. Yeah, by this. That whole scene at the bistro last week when I, Ash is usually clever than this. Yeah, I know. Isn't she? She's, she's got giant she's glasses. She should love. be able to see that that Nina's not happy with this. I, I think Nina would have been um, upset anyway. Not not like in a, in a bad, like she shouldn't be but way, but with with Asha moving on to a new stage in her life and training and becoming a paramedic, it'd be really easy for Nina to think, oh, I'm, what am I doing with my life, you know? She's, what what she's is the... Nina doing with but, her life? But like, she was but talking she's... about her college mates, wasn't she? Is, is she? is she going to college? I don't even she know what she's point. doing. But Asha's, Asha's going to be in a, a different world to Nina because being a paramedic... Um, not only do you see things that many people would never see, or only on their worst day, but also you're you're working really unsociable hours. Yeah. And so I don't see how this relationship's gonna work if they're not prepared to acknowledge that there's gonna be this tension. It's just something that. Do they you not need see to... what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but lots of people shift have workers. shift work. Yeah, I don't know, but they? I, I think that they will also say that it can be challenging if your partner doesn't have a, a similar shift pattern or has a has a different. Yeah, it can be, but I think that. Yeah, I, th- I think that right, Nina fine. could cope Everybody with that. Everybody who's, she... who's ever worked as, as shift workers, not had any negative effects from it at all. Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Nina's probably like. 
I don't know. She's probably nocturnal or something anyway, so she can cope with whatever. <laughs> I'm going to help Ardy with his nest. Um, so, Ardy, Amy and Nina go to the bistro in the afternoon, get a bottle of wine, start chatting. Ardy says, um, you just start going out with your mates and then Nina will get jealous. Uh, Asha will get jealous. And Amy says, look, just tell her how you feel. And Nina starts making coded insinuations about what that, that she's Amy basically saying oh maybe you should just tell each other how you feel about each other and then she, she, they get left alone in the booth and he says that um, Nina and Asher are soulmates and Amy tries to say get him to say that she, he feels the same way about her he's not taking the hint he's probably watched that Twin Flames documentary on Netflix and he's scared of the idea of soulmates or anything mm. like that it's very sinister Nina comes back to the the house, stinking of booze. She's... Ash is there. She tells her she's been out with her college friends to try and get her jealous. She's very. And then she gets really randy and starts trying to seduce her. She's like, "We should have all the sex." Yeah. Oh, goodness me, Nina. I can't believe it. Ash says, "No, I'm tired." And then Nina's like, Ugh. "Yeah." Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> There was an awful lot of teen stuff this week, wasn't there? I'm a bit teened out of Coronation Street. We've been, we've been, um, what's the word? Championing the stories from the younger characters. Certainly, um, certainly really talented actors there. But again, I think some people are right when they say the balance is is gone. Mm. There's, I mean, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's any older character stories. Now they ran Stephen over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us a give us some Sally and Tim drama. Because They're not as he, old as Stephen. No, no, no. I know, but like, I wonder. with with Tim, we the, 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 uh, we were starting to feel a little bit sorry for him with with all the flashbacks he'd been oh, having yeah. over over being locked up in Stephen's boot, and I don't think we've even seen him since then. Maybe Peter could get some flashback lessons off him. Oh yeah, he'd be perfect, wouldn't mm. he? Um, anyway, so. Maybe that's the problem. You can't have too many, too many flashback characters every week now. Mm. Do you think that um, is it going to be long before Ardy and Ardy and Amy are going to be snogging each other's faces off again? Do you do you want to see Amy saved by a man, or does she need to save herself first and then and then get Ardy afterwards? What does that look like on screen? I don't know. I don't know. Where's the shoulder volunteers? Where's that girl that was? Confronted her in the. We're never going to see her again, I guess. Yeah, is I mean, is this is the the whole spiking part of the story over now? We we were told that this guy has been identified as being a sex pest from a load of other people. So is that literally it? Did we have the whole of that great scene at the club last night, uh, last week? Just so we cut a couple of interview scenes on Monday. I always, okay. I very, I almost always find the aftermath of the big stories, especially if it involves police, not so fun as the event itself. In a way, this proves Amy's point. The fact that they've got a sheaf of paperwork about this man who's sexually assaulting people and he's still doing it, it just proves that there's no justice for victims of sexual assault. Well, it sounds like he is going to have the book thrown at him now, so maybe... But do you think that didn't... That's not the That's not the impression I got. They said it was an ongoing investigation. But why would it have been triggered by Amy 
drugging him. It doesn't make any sense. No, I don't know. That doesn't prove. That doesn't provide any extra evidence. If they were investigating him for sexual assault, they're doing a really crap job of it, aren't they? I'm not. It's not yeah. a joke. No, you're right. I mean, th- how can you come in with a with a load of paperwork and go, yeah, this is this man's a dangerous sexual predator, but the police and the courts, we can't protect you. But you're not allowed to protect yourself. Can you see why women get angry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think that he's probably going to get sent down. Who? The the spiky. Dan's never going to be back in the show Dan. again. I think that you might see something in the paper about him being sent down and then think, oh, finally justice has been done and that's the end of this story. <sighs> if they want to tie a bow on it, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I think it is going to be inevitable that Ardy and Asher are going to, uh, Ardy and Amy are going to get together, but I don't, I don't necessarily that Maybe think a bit of a Christmas. that just because you get into a relationship with somebody, it's the, the man saving you. I think that's a bit of a um, simplistic way to imagine a relationship. Mm. But if it, but know. I can see why you might think it was a cop out in fiction. Mm. I don't know. So anyway, but we've only got the Bernie stuff left, which is basically Joel coming to tell her on Friday that she's got her <laughs> sentence in in a week on Monday. And Bernie says, and so it looks like it could be Christmas in the clink. Bernie says that's nice. No, she doesn't. Sorry, Joel. <sighs> Sorry, every time you speak, I just zone out. <laughs> you, what are you saying? You want a cup of tea? Sentencing. <laughs> so she, she's now worried that she's going to be behind bars on 25th of December. And she she meets up with Gemma and Paul in the cafe later and's like, oh, I think probably this could be your last Christmas, couldn't well, it? Well, hang and on. I'm going to be behind bars, are you? Somebody says, she's crying. I think it's Gemma says that... Oh, she thinks it might be your last Christmas, Paul, or something like that. Mm. I mean... Last Christmas. (laughs) Michael. (laughs) What? But I mean, does it really take a genius of epic proportions to imagine that if you got told in November you've got six to 12 months left, you might only have a single Christmas? Well, even if they get two Christmases, it's not going to be a very particularly um, fun Christmas next year, is it? I hate to be so blunt about this, but... Mm. I think it was fairly obvious that this is Paul's last Christmas because this is a fictional show and we know that yeah. um, is they're not going to... Well, they decide to bring Christmas forward, don't they? And uh, Bernie's there at the... Especially at, at number seven, I think, and then here's Carol Singers outside, opens the door and... Well, first of all, Gemma she tells to get back because yeah. it's November. Gemma dressed as a dog, Paul's got a Father Christmas uh, outfit on, then two of the four quads that they could afford to bring along, they're there dressed as little Christmas elves, and yeah, early Christmas for Bernie. How lovely. I still wonder whether she's going to get off on a technicality, or or something's going to happen, and she's going to turn up there on the doorstep on Christmas Day after everybody was thinking it was going to be a Bernie-less Christmas, oh, don't you like, think? Um, going to have a little miracle, did. or she's going to escape or something, I don't know. But I I can't see her not being there at Christmas. I can. Mm, that is sad. But oh, well. That's it. That was a mega short street talk this week. I, I just... I didn't think there was that much to get Talk our about. teeth sunk into this well, there week. Was did, no did we real, miss anything? There were no new stories um, that, that had a sort of juicy... Uh, new stories, Simon gets a palette. Let me finish. That had juicy talking <laughs> uh, points. Yes. Like, we're not going to sit here and go, what are the pros and cons of the... what what is, is it morally correct to buy returns <laughs> from the internet? Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of kind of continuations of stuff that had happened before. Um... Lots of teen stuff. Uh, 
I, I, I think I don't know whether to give like Peter character of the week. I, I maybe kind of feel bad for not giving Liam because I think lots of people would go oh, there. Liam was but, so sad. But out of out of all the characters who I might have been sympathising with, um, Peter Peter was it just for today's episode. Um, and, and there there wasn't a whole lot of other people, uh, characters that really really inspired me. Um, so I, I'm going to go Peter of the character of the week, and um, it. It wasn't a bad week, so I don't want to give it a bad score. It was just very much okay, a, a low side of okay. So I'm going to give it um, two of Santa's. Two? No, sorry, three. Three. Yeah, I'll give it three. Three yes, of Santa's little mentioned dogs out of five. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's Scooby-Doo and Beethoven. <laughs> what no. about you? What about Turner and Hooch? No, you haven't got that many. What you who's your character of the week? Um, I'm gonna give it to Liam. Because I have to. I felt really bad. <laughs> I don't um feel like I've articulated it, but I think everybody knows. You articulated it better than me. I think I think it goes without saying sometimes and again it, I don't have the personal connection there to, to to put myself in his shoes. But it just makes me so sad to know that, you know, this is happening to real kids and you, with social media and oh, their phones and being It's absolutely online, awful. It's just, it just is crushingly awful, isn't it? It's just soul-destroying, it traumatising. How, mm. how can you... How can you go through your childhood? Because, you know, I, I know some kids, this happens to them for years. And yeah. the only way to solve it is to move schools or... or Go go to a different city or something. I just you you can't you can't. I don't know what anyone can can do because the the people that are doing it are children as well. Mm. Um, okay, and my score. score is going to be what did I say earlier? And you said I should score out of. I don't remember. No, I don't remember either. Um, two, no, three. <laughs> Same <laughs> as you. What's happening? You're going three as well. Yeah. Three QPR codes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if anyone else got anything out of this week if that we didn't... If anyone else has or, got anything else any, to say... any discussion points that we didn't mention, it's fine. which is Michael, quite possible, let us know. It's too but, um, long, the podcast. It doesn't need to be... Who says that? Everybody tells us. It just felt we just, all we did was say what happened and didn't have much to say about it. I'm well, sorry about this on this week, everybody. But I don't. maybe next week will be better. So um, this is this is what? your invitation to get your running and your cleaning done in a faster time than normal. <laughs> Very true. Um, shall we end it there? No, we've got to do the cabin. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Let's let's get to the cabin. Oh, so that that was it for rubbishy street talk. I do apologise again, everybody. But have, have we got any good news? I to, don't. To, to, to it's wake? right. I don't. What's the point of apologising? <laughs> What's the news this week, Jen? We got what, some just Michael, breaking news. What? It's worse what? to waffle and drone on. I know, I know. Let's just be fifty-two Ofcom complaints. No, you just got some news. I was gonna do this good do... news first. Oh. Not the complaints news. There've been complaints about this award. I was gonna say it now. There's been fifty-two Ofcom complaints for the topless sofa scene after the part-time <laughs> episode. Like this. About it had what, called not a, the bath scene. I don't think it was about the bath scene. Would, although, well, hang on, I complained about the bath scene. <laughs> no, I didn't. It really. was it was Billy and Paul um, 
having had a bit of a po- bit of post-coital yeah, yeah, fun on the sofa. Imagine what they're going to think of of Nina demanding sex. I know it's shocking from Asha. Um, honestly, please, people don't. Fifty-two complaints. Yeah. Um, well done, everybody. <laughs> Let's you get more showed next them. Time. Um, Royal Television Society Northwest Awards. I think this has just been happening tonight. Today, twenty fourth of November, at the Clock Tower Hotel. If you've missed it, um, don't go because they're tidying up now. Up there, um, best performance in a continuing drama was won by Charlotte Jordan. Hooray. And we also have best continuing drama storyline, which was won by Daisy Stalking Ordeal. Well, there you go. Yes, I wonder Congrats. if they give them the wording for it. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Um, speaking of um, winning things, uh, Andy Wyman did I not win for the Masked Singer this week. Andy Wyman was on the Masked Singer. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't watch it. No, actually, no, that's not true. I've seen a little clip of this. He was dressed yeah, as did. a wombat this to watch week, a movie. and he performed a Van Morrison song, and he was quite good. Um, you could tell it was him by. By his voice, by his and I think voice, we've yeah. heard we've heard Andy Wyman it's sing before, that, and he's he's a surprisingly good. Um, They're all skillet singing singer. I'm just disgusted with them all of all of them. But I, I think he I think he came out quite early on. But bad luck, but he was I dressed know, as if a you wombat. Want to see what Andy Wombat dressed as a wombat looks like. Then Andy Wombat, Andy Wombat dressed as a wombat. Bloody hell! What is oh wrong God, with me today? Right, pop pod voice. <laughs> Does anybody else just want to take <laughs> over our podcast? We're today? selling our podcast. You can buy it off us. <laughs> Todd Boyce is going to be in Bill Kenwright's Sleuth. We knew that already, but they've just ramped the up the publicity for machine for it this week. He's obviously in a panto as well. In um, he's in Derby. a Derby panto this Christmas. A demon but... vanity. Yeah. But now they're doing the promotions for Sleuth which is running from the 31st of January uh, to the 10th of February in the Royal Windsor. The Theatre. <laughs> the Theatre Royal Windsor. And then from the 12th of February to the 17th of February at Theatre Royal in Bath. And then from the 19th of February to the 24th of February in the Princess Theatre in Torquay. And then the 27th of February to the 2nd of March in the Grand Opera House in York. So it's not coming around here, sadly. So we're not well, going to be able to go. Well, Windsor's go. not that far. Isn't it? Windsor? Yeah, that's quite Where do you far. think it is? I don't know, London way. Yeah, that's, London's not far. Oh, okay. Anyway, if anyone goes to see it, let us know. We're going um, to London tomorrow. I know we're going to London tomorrow. It's faster to get to Windsor. Okay. Um, and, and apart from that, the only other... It's a short news section. You don't care, do you? No. Ellie Leach is still doing jolly well on Strictly. She danced her Love Machine by Girls Aloud last one, week, which we, we, do, we do like Love Machine in this house. 39 bloody points. So she got 10, 10, 10 and a 9. She's doing awesomely. She came joint first on the leaderboard, I do believe. Um, and there are only six dancers re- that remain in the competition. She is going to be in that final, isn't she, whenever that's going Don't to be. Don't jinx her. So good luck. Ellie Leach, we are standing behind you, even if we're not watching you. And or voting. Or voting, or having anything to do with it other than reporting on your good fortune. We support you. Yes. Thoughts and prayers. That's it. The Feedback news. time. Feedback. Feedback. 
<laughs> Michael Scrope in the notes, right. Yeah, so nice. Um, okay, so thank you to everybody who voted on our Facebook poll. Yeah. 3.53 is what Coronation Street scored there last week. We had a huge range of scores. We really, really enjoyed it, but it went down quite low for some people. Richard gave it three and a half pimped up police cars out of five, whilst Caitlin only two. Two matching animal print onesies out of five. She did not get on with that at all last week. Rebecca was my favourite one this week, who said that she scored it four and a half things Tracy was doing while Deirdre was sat at home stressing out of five. So thank you very much to you three and everybody else who votes on a Facebook book poll. I always love seeing what you're voting it out of. Um, <laughs> now, speaking of Rebecca, we got an email here from Rebecca. Not that Rebecca, Rebecca but another P. one. This is Rebecca P. Who, thank you very much, enjoyed our Doctor Who crossover bonus episode so much so that she emailed in to tell us she says that she's a fan of both shows so was aware of some of the bigger name crossovers but didn't realise there were so many. Well, there were. There were there many, many, worth. many. There were over two hours worth of com- of, uh, of crossovers. And we had to scrap a load of extra stuff we were going to do. Yes. It's just not enough time. Rebecca also would like to let us know about her favourite Corrie slash Doctor Who crossover. Gareth Roberts was a storyliner on Coronation Street in 1997 to 98 and was a big Doctor Who fan going on to write Doctor Who books. Big Finish Stories, that's, cool. that's the uh, like the audio adventures. Episodes of both Doctor Who, including the Shakespeare Code, and the Sarah Jane Adventures. And the story goes that he was the one who selected the name Underworld for the factory in reference to the 1978 Doctor Who episode of the same name. I never knew I that. I love that's that. That's a really that good fact. That is a great little fact well there, done, Rebecca. Rebecca. Thank you for that, for sharing that. I had no idea. And uh, Rebecca also says, keep up the good work. Um... We maybe haven't managed that this week, Rebecca. But thank you all the same. It's always nice to have people writing in um, with some feedback about specific episodes we did. And and although um, we maybe didn't show that we were the best Doctor Who experts, I think we held our own pretty well. You so did thank a good you to job. everybody who uh, I thought you did. Who enjoyed it. Sherry wrote in and said, I really love the Gordon Clegg character oh, profile. Nice. It was super informative and entertaining. I really appreciate these as I would never be able to take the time to do that level of research. But it really helps connect the storyline and adds such little new little tidbits to classic episodes. I have two requests for you to didn't we read this out last no, week? We haven't read this one out this week. This came this week. Um because I said to you... Yes, you mentioned this next bit on this Doctor Who podcast that we did the other day. Did I? I promise we haven't read this email okay, before. Okay, sorry, Sherry. Um, I've two requests for you to consider. If you haven't already done so, I'd love a podcast episode dedicated to the tram crash of December 2010. I've just started re-watching every episode of Corrie from December 1960 and just finished 2010. Every Sherry. episode? Sherry. Every single episode. Sherry, how long... You say you don't have time to do research yeah, you, regarding no Clegg character profile, but you can hang watch on all minute. of these. Look, no, hang on. I don't well, disbelieve not, you, They're not all available I to listen to, but... No, no, no. That's, that's an awful long time. But yes, yeah, Sherry would like us to talk about the tram crash, and this is something we have said that we'd wanted to do for a while. Um, and we haven't watched those tram crash episodes like, since it was on. How many days of watching would that be? <laughs> I'm trying to work it out because there's 11,000 episodes. So that's... Um... <laughs> Don't do <laughs> the maths. We're too tired for the maths. <laughs> I'm, I that's, think... That's, so that's 5,500 5, 5, hours. Yeah. Roughly. That's a, lo- that's a long time. Um Oh, maybe we should rewatch like the tram crash episodes for the... 229 uh, for... days. Oh, there we go. Isn't it? I don't know, maybe. 
I wonder whether well, we should rewatch the tram crash episodes because it's Coronation Street's birthday coming up, isn't it? In a couple yeah, of weeks really for, its, for its 63rd birthday. Maybe we should do that. I don't know. We'll have to say. Yes, we will do that at some point, Sherry. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm just jealous, Sherry, because we've been trying to watch from the beginning as well and we've got to 1961. <laughs> yeah, we're towards the end of 1961. Um, but it's, it's very been slow difficult. going. Not because we've not been enjoying it, it's just we've got loads of other things we want to watch. There's a lot of Coronation Street. <laughs> Sherry knows. I would love a character profile, she says, of Becky McDonald. Done it. Again, if you haven't already done one. We have. <laughs> when I initially watched these episodes, when they first came out, and now again as I rewatch, Becky was an amazing character and actress. I often wonder if somehow they could bring her back. Her and Claire loved their friendship. I would love to see them return. I, I, I can't remember. I, I should have found out for this, so I, I, I do apologise. But we, I, we, ha- we did Brecky quite early on, and she's probably the ones, one of the ones that if we go we back and listen redo. to, we've, we probably should redo her because we didn't do her justice. Yeah. But if you go onto our blog, the uh, conversationstreet.podbean.com, and click on character profiles or characters, or whatever it says on there, you can find it. Will link you to. It should link you to. Um, the Becky character profile that and it's probably on YouTube as well so um, check it out let us know if you can't find it and uh, we'll do our best let us know if it's crap point you probably in is. a better direction she says keep doing what you're doing I'm really hoping somehow a meet and greet with your fan club a group tour of the cobbles or a night out somewhere <laughs> though for me that means a bit of a flight <laughs> and when I read this my brain mixed the two lines together and I thought you were asking for a group tour of the cobbles or a fight out somewhere. A <laughs> fight out somewhere. Yeah, just a fight out somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we can have a fight. Have we got a fan club? No, I don't think so. We've got a patron. <laughs> That's the same thing, isn't is it? That's a modern fan club. Yeah. Um, Richard has emailed. Thank you, by the way. Uh, Richard has said, I'm sending this prior to Friday's episode, but I'm particularly enjoying the Mason storyline. It's very dark and I expect has the potential to become much darker. I think Cassie is still on drugs, as she told Hope last week that she knew there wasn't a £5 note in Hope's money box. How would Cassie have known about its contents unless she had been looking inside it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Gemma asked in last week's podcast, what does the term off the back of a lorry mean? I, I'm i almost sure I didn't, because <laughs> I do know what this means. Yeah, it does. It's, she's telling us it means when you reserve some stolen goods. You knew that, didn't you? Maybe I was being silly, or I don't maybe know. you didn't know. I'm, I think no I, I, I don't know um, we say lots of things he, Richard has right. also yeah, said right. he's right about this next bit as well he said that the Doctor Who bonus podcast was good although I haven't been a viewer since the very early 70s carnations of John Pertwee and Tom Baker I recall as a very young child hiding <laughs> behind my paternal grandparents sofa when John Pertwee's version came on as he terrified me so much although I enjoyed him as Wurzel Gummidge a few years later and we were watching a bit of John Pertwee ourselves just last night weren't we yeah we watched for, for the for the anniversary yeah we watched one. the colourised first ever episode uh, episode of Doctor Who show uh, featuring the Daleks which was the second story yes it was alright wasn't it yes nice to see their origin story a bit of yeah. a Dalek a bit of Thal yeah, I still don't stuff. know why he was her granddad no I don't really understand that I asked you and you didn't know I, I, didn't, I don't know the story of this um, I want them to do some colourised versions of old Coronation Street yeah that'd be brilliant I wonder how, how much effort does it take this is what you just, i was like, saying press to you, a button in it when we it? did the bonus episode and you were saying i don't know which one's more popular or widely regarded at coronation no, street I, I Doctor Who. Did. I nobody's colorizing ina sharples and elsie tanner having a fight but they should they should somebody, although no, actually i think somebody has i think if you go on youtube actually this is this is bringing back some memories somebody has on a youtube fan account done a bit of colorization but good for them not the same as an official release 
Um, Richard says, thank you both, as always, for your commitment to the podcast. You have a great natural rapport, even when you go off topic. Pfft, what do you mean? I don't know this how you would find time regimented. to do more, but you would produce a great podcast together. Yes. Even if it wasn't the Corey thank based. You. Gemma thank says you. we should do Richard, another podcast. Richard, I have been trying to get him to don't do a podcast with me. give her any more ideas. Me. I keep coming up with ideas, ideas for, for podcasts. No time. Michael won't. No time. I've got so many ideas. <laughs> um, I also came up with an idea for a book today. Oh, well, no, no time for that now. I'll tell you about it later. Right, Rebecca G, other Rebecca. What was her feedback for last week's Corey? Loved Amy this week. Think Elle knocked it out of the park. And I think Amy is doing a business degree. Love both Amy scenes on Monday and Wednesday. And I loved Amy and Ardy as a couple, although I really hope Amy doesn't dive in headfirst and she takes things slowly with Ardy. I do think Dan is going to say Amy drugged him and she'll be arrested, but I think Ardy will say she was with him and stand by her. I also loved all the club scenes and Amy doing young things, which makes me sound <laughs> really <things>. old. <laughs> young things. I really don't want another of young things like building a nest in the woods. Yeah. I really don't That's want another store and vaping in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they, all the kids want vapes, because they don't want to set their nests on fire with cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says I really don't want another affair story with Asha and Isla although what could happen is Asha and Nina want different things and break up amicably I also love the dev, dev comforting Ardy scene as well that was super cute I love Bernie in Monday's episode and I'm assuming she will be let out just in time for her to say goodbye to Paul I'm intrigued by Paul and Billy employing Jim again although I don't know if he helped kill Shelley or not Loving the Audrey selling the salon as well, though I'm gutted they threw Vin Diesel in the skip. Yeah, they never found him again. They never found Vin Diesel's dead. Do you think so? Or it's... is he sharing a skip with um with the knife and the and the um, and the vapes? Maybe he's gonna cut somebody up. <laughs> this is what happens when you throw Vin Diesel in the skip. Literally, why would you do this? Is it just because the Coronation Street experience have decided that they, they want, want to have Vin Diesel and it's too much effort to put him back and forth there? I, Iconic prop gone before his time, or what? I thought this was going to be a, another calling boy brouhaha. Where they were like, oh no, he's been catapulted. Oh yeah, yeah. Decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't, was he? Anyway, she says, I also love Gail admitting she was boring and David bagsing the salon for Maria. I'm enjoying the Dylan vape story only because Mason is bring, being such a little scrote and I love Hope being included in the story as well. Finally... Also agree, the Ravers wouldn't be turning to flats, but I like the idea of squatters going in. To count the week is Amy, and I'll give this week four and a half things Tracy was doing while Deirdre was sat at home. Yeah, with her. Stressing <laughs> out. One of which I suggested was drugging Roy Cupper. Out of five. <laughs> um, thank you, Rebecca. And finally, Nancy says that she is enjoying how they're handling Amy's story. And she was totally on Amy's side. Yeah. As were we. I was surprised the woman in the toilet didn't believe her, though. I wonder if the guy will be too embarrassed to say anything to D.S. Swain. He should be charged with possession of the drugs he used to spite women Somebody pointed out to me that he he was in trouble for that and I didn't... Yes, you missed that. that. You were too incensed about the whole thing to to hear all of the details about it. I don't listen. Once once I get angry, I stop listening. And Nancy is suggesting as well that maybe Amy will get a career with the police. It's not a natural follow-on from business uh, uh, degree, but... Well, she's up in everyone's She goes there to try and change the change the uh oh that's true yeah and she goes there to try and change the system a bit like spider does she'll go i'm in the business <laughs> the business of solving crime business of getting men arrested yeah only the men um <laughs> nancy says the judge in bernie's case doesn't know that shelly's the one that was buying things and selling them to pay for the things that she needed bernie found out and wanted to do it to buy things for paul 
she should have told his sister about it. And she also liked the mention of the I Will Always Be Me book. Yeah. Um, I love the dynamic between Maria and David. Vin Diesel the Weasel was wonderful. Um, Audrey making David and Maria co-managers is going to make some hilarious scenes. Well, they didn't want to put any in this Did week. I, was I on air or off air this week when I mentioned the storyline title Co-Manager? I think oh, that was yeah. an off air thing. Co-Manager. Yeah, because yeah, I came yeah. up with one and you, did, you didn't like no, it. Mine's I better. what it was. Mine's better. Eventually, Dylan will have to tell oh, Sean about that? how Mason is treating him. Hope was great in the school scene. She's certainly more enterprising than that Dylan is. Also, Sean should have stopped Dylan from leaving the house. It's parents in, in soap, in, well, in Coronation Street, very I can't say for other powerless. soaps. Yeah. They're not very good about stopping their teenage tearaways from leaving the door, are they? The thing is, it doesn't make an interesting story if the kid goes, yeah, okay. Do you think in the future we'll just have, I assume some houses have it now, like a little zapper like you have to open your car yeah. keys and then the kid's kind of storming like out towards collar. the door and Sean's just like... Vadoo. I think they call that and child then... abuse. <laughs> um, well, you know, if you've got a chat, you got a chat. Nancy gave the episodes four vapes that Sean drowned in the sink out of five and the character of the week was Amy. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. In. Thank you, Nancy. Apologies for the podcast being on the short side this week. I walked like 20,000 steps yesterday and I think I'm still recovering for that. My eyes are heavy. Coronation Street wasn't particularly inspirational this week, but I'm hoping that we're going to be back in both counts and I'll be lively and have lots of great courage to talk about next week. We will just have to see, won't we? Gemma, would you be able to round off the show by telling people what they can do should they wish to find out more about us or indeed contact us for next week's feedback section? Email us, conversationstreet at gmail.com. Find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com. We haven't plugged this for a while, but our Facebook group, uh, not the Facebook page, Facebook group is a really great place to go to talk to people. There's loads of great people on there, very intelligent conversations. Um, Lots of people bringing up stuff that we miss or different perspectives and points of view or personal stories that relate to the show. Love that group. So please do join if that's something that you'd be interested in. And the best part about it is that it's separate from the rest of Facebook. So your annoying, annoying friends or who relatives don't like Coronation can't Street see your comments again. Well, they don't watch it. It's boring. <laughs> so that's good. It's ring fenced away from everyone else. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Patreon. We're going to release our November episode. Uh, before the end of the month, we coming swear. up in a week. It's, yeah, maybe if you're in Australia, you might. The not end get of it. the months just creep up on us, don't they? They really do. Um, bonus episode we'll have next week, which you will be able to find eventually on conversationstreet.podbean.com, which is our website, and we also have our YouTube page where we upload our channel. So and just please just so watch it with all the time because this is a short episode of the podcast if you'd like to do something Conversation Street related to make up the usual you know, extra hour that we might be having um, go along to our YouTube page and just listen to some of those or just open them up just and like them. them just if, leave them playing so we can get the, um, yeah, the ad revenue that would be lovely um, right <laughs> thank you everyone we for are listening going. Thank Michael's going to go to bed I'm going to go to bed and we're going to go, go to, to London. London tomorrow it's going to be very fun And we'll tell you about it next week. Yes. Ta-ta! Bye! The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye!